Big Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily for a Wednesday afternoon. Coming off a uh, real fun night at Canada Life Center last night. Big Jets win over the defending Stanley Cup champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, Thanks to all the feedback on yesterday's show, the big anniversary show. Had a great, great time. And we're going to continue having some fun this week. Another special guest coming up in just a few minutes. For my money, the most entertaining man in Canadian sports media, Jeff O'Neill, the O-Dog from TSN's Overdrive, coming up in about 20, 25 minutes. Murata Tesh of The Athletics going to be jumping on. And um, we've got some more big news in the National Football League. So I figured it's a great day to bring in the unbridled energy of Andy McNamara. Andy Mack will join us coming up in hour two of the program. Um, before I bring in Michael Remus, a big shout out to the sponsors that power Winnipeg Sports Talk each and every day, led by Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Canadian Club, Nick and Nicky DQ, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Royal Sports, Manitoba Battery, Not Auto Corp, F Apparel, Culligan Water, and our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market. So let's get to it and welcome in the CTO of the show, Michael Remus. Remo, what's going on? How are you? I'm feeling good today. It's hard not to feel good um, without, after a win. I mean, Jets are what? Stanley Cup champions now? Uh, they beat Tampa Bay. I mean, you know, you know what Ric Flair says? To be the man, you got to mm-hmm. beat the man. And uh, the Jets just beat the man last night, uh, all jokes aside. It was a, listen, it was a super, it was an entertaining game. It was a fun game. And I, I listen, I walked out of the game last night, you know, with a smile on my face, like most people did. Um, You know, you do wonder what could have been maybe of this season if there was a little bit more of that earlier on in the year. Uh, But I'll tell you what, this team's not quitting at all. Um, They put together a a pretty darn good performance. I mean, it was no Picasso, especially in the first period. Offensively, they did a lot of great things. Unfortunately, gave up quite a bit as well. And um, I'll tell you what, 3-3 after the first period, um, everyone was getting their money's worth. But the team bounced back for my money. Remo with one of their best periods of the entire season, holding, you know, first of all, calming the game down and holding Tampa Bay to just four shots and then making the most of a power play in the uh, in the third period. Pierre-Luc Dubois getting on the board. And I'll tell you what, I mean, we'll maybe talk about this a little bit more. Those moves by Kyle Connor on his shorthanded goal absolutely deking out. I mean, it was uh, it was filthy moves on Andre Vasilevsky uh, that sort of powered the Jets to the win. Um, so overall, I mean, all you can do is, you know, go out there and hopefully get a good result and then take that momentum on the road. We know that it is a long, long haul if this team is going to get back into playoff contention. But for one night, the fans went home happy and it wasn't a full building. But the ones that were there, I think, were uh, very happy they made the decision to shell out and uh, go see the Jets take on the champs. Yes, uh, seven goals for the Jets against Tampa Bay. I mean, always nice to see a bunch of goals, but I think, when you know, has the Jets, you know, two nothing lead on Tampa, you know, and then they give what is it, up three one, and then it's tied three three. You're almost having flashbacks of uh, the last couple of weeks. Has uh, you know the Colorado game we all remember, and the Montreal game with the Wild score four, give up four, score four again. Um, you know, turn you know, nice end to the home stand here. I think you're disappointed about the overtime loss to Dallas. The Rangers, you can say you got goalied, but I mean, the Jets needed wins. I don't think they got as many as uh, you would have liked them to, but I think 
this is kind of classic Jets test. You know, just when you think they're down and out, that you know, you're ready to close the book on this playoffs on you know on the playoffs here. You know, they come out and beat the defending Stan- two time defending Stanley Cup champion uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, and you kind of I don't know if you're excited that they played so well and it was such a great game, or you're like, well, why couldn't they have done this more consistently? You know. And I know they played, you know, played well, but again, they had however many shots against Vimelka in that first Coyotes game. But I mean, you look at the games against the bottom teams that they didn't win, and then you see them go out and beat Tampa. I mean, I think it, I think there's a lot of mixed emotions on, on how this uh, how the season has gone for the Jets because you know that they're capable of playing, you know, strong strong hockey, but it just hasn't been there on a consistent basis. Yeah, no, I mean, this that's fair. I mean, that's absolutely accurate. Um, but living in the moment right now, um, yep. you know, listen, I know there's some people that'll want the team just to, you know, lose all their games and get the best draft pick. No, I no. mean, I, I'm not there. And they're too good of a team to, you know, just uh, play out the stretch. Uh, and, you know, without any results, you know, moving on to next year. Now, if they shut a bunch of guys down uh, and play a bunch of young guys, then, I mean, the results will be what they'll be. Um, but right now, I mean, they still have a glimmer of hope and um tell you what you got to take it one game at a time as cliche that is um and it started with a great performance last night and and i'll say this for the fans too i mean i go to every game and you know there's been some pretty rough nights uh and that this homestand overall i mean the montreal game was fun um the dallas game the way they played and they did play very well in that game to not get the result i think was depressing for fans and then it sort of seemed like you know, that was it after the Ranger game. So uh, first and foremost, I mean, kudos to the Jets for, you know, stepping up and playing the way they did. Now, as I said, the first period wasn't perfect, but um, there was a lot of space out there. I mean, for both teams. I mean, the Winnipeg Jets, Mark Scheifele could have had a hat trick in the first period. Um, Vasilevsky, you know, as many pucks as got by him, made a couple five bell saves in that first period. And then Tampa did what Tampa does to teams that make mistakes. And the jets made a few of them and uh, they were in the back of the net past Connor Hellebuck. But you know, in, in times before, and you brought up that Colorado game, I'll be honest, I wasn't thinking at all about that game, but now that you bring it up, I mean, when things started going the other way, the jets had absolutely no answer in previous games last night. They did. I mean, I don't know what was said in between periods in the first and second, but the team came out with a renewed focus um, and as I said, completely quieted down the game um, and then made the most of their opportunity. So, uh, yeah, it's one win. It's one night, but it was a fun night. And, uh, you know, this team needed something good to happen to them. And, uh, you know, what? hey, see what they can do on the road. See if they can make it interesting. Keep people engaged, people, you know, dialed into this team right now. Uh, because, yes, we can all agree they're not where we thought that they'd be right now in the standings at this point of the regular season. But there is still quite a bit of hockey left to be played. And uh, tell you what, if they play like that every night, which is a big, big if, um, you know, it'll be fun to watch through the end. And, uh, you know, we'll probably be talking about some more interesting games and matchups going forward into this road trip and back home. Yeah, a couple of things. I know the Jets scored seven. Big guy points this out in chat there. You know, their issue of giving up three plus goals continues. That's 12 games, uh, 12 games in a row. I know some of those were tough for for Hellebuck, but those those are the numbers. And I think giving up, you know, that many goals that consistently, uh, not ideal. One positive we've talked about, you know, how so often this season the, you know, you get one of the two lot top two lines going, and you don't get any secondary scoring. Well, yesterday everyone was going. I mean, Mark Scheifele four points, uh, Adam Lowry, 
Uh, Adam Lowry, again, is on an absolute tear the last three weeks. Uh, He scores again, I mean, all alone in front. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers, I mean, all he's done since come back is score points as well. And uh, Kyle Connor, uh, beautiful special teams, uh, special teams goals. So the Jets, you know, do score one on the power play. There were one for four Uh, on the positive. They do, and they do hold Tampa 0 for 3 on the power play, which is normally a pretty deadly power play. And they get a shorty from from Kyle Connor. Maybe, you know, maybe the Jets goal of the year, one of them for sure. Well, I mean, as far as a one-on-one, and I mean, listen, he wasn't doing that against, uh, you know, Miko Koskinen or Mike Smith. I mean, that was against, you know, Andre Vasilevsky, who, um, you know, of course, one of the uh, top goalies in the league. I don't think he's going to be winning it this year, uh, but I do believe that, you know, Shesterkin's going to win it. But, you know, if you were starting a team right now or you had to play a seven-game series and you're asking who you want as your netminder, he'd be at the top of the list uh, of a lot. And I'll say this, Connor Hellebuck, I thought, really steadied himself as well in the second in the second and third periods after, I mean, really being hung out to dry by his teammates on a couple of those goals in the first. Um, but he battled, as did the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, as I said, I think Schickster, um, who obviously works at the game, said that, you know, it was the first standing ovation at the end of a game in a long, long time in and around the rink. And uh, the team was deserving of it. The fans were into it. And, uh, you know, on a stretch of, you know, more often than not, some disappointing nights down at Canada Life Center. It was a heck of a way to finish the road trip and uh, and for one night send the fans home happy. And hopefully the Jets in a good headspace going into back to back out on the East Coast against the Devils and the New York Islanders. Yeah. And if you're cleaning, clinging to those. Uh, those slim playoff hopes. Money Puck has the Jets to make the playoffs. I mean, we'll be watching this all season. Was it seven percent here to make the playoffs? So I mean, you it was get four yesterday. Yeah, they almost four... doubled it. I mean, it's not zero. <laughs> it's not zero. And you look at uh, the schedule coming up. I mean, Thursday in New Jersey, Friday on Long Island, and they actually are on Long Island now in the new arena. It's not not Brooklyn, and then. You know, Sunday, you got a divisional game against St. Louis and Vegas, who's who's struggling. So I think you have a winnable stretch. And I do think, um, but I do think, you know, maybe they do have a bit of a run. And I was just looking at some of the games. Like, I don't think they've played, like, terrible on some of these. But again, you look at the overtime record, which I think is a huge reason why they're where they are. And, and the inconsistent play. But, I mean, it was a great game yesterday. And you hope they can continue. But we've said that before. Remember when they beat... Nashville and that awesome game 5-2 uh, on Saturday and you come home and you have a dud uh, against Chicago so you know hope they don't fall out with a dud against a, a you know a weak team like New Jersey and you know keep keep these very slim playoff hopes alive yeah yeah listen I mean I, I don't know and I think I mentioned this you know after the Habs game last week that you know I think now I mean I've sort of come to terms with where the team is and you know how unlikely it is that they can get into the playoffs you just mentioned those numbers I'm sort of watching the games in a different way I mean if this game was two months ago and you know you saw the team get those goals early and then completely fall apart and give those chances up and end up coming out tied I probably would have been a little bit bent but honestly I'm at the intermission talking to some people saying hi to folks and it was just happy we saw a heck of a fun great first period and the Jets were in a game against a really good hockey club now you know if they can put three or four wins together and all of a sudden that seven point number becomes three I mean then I think you get back to that real pressure pack scenario where every single thing matters but 
as I said, if you sort of get to at peace with where the situation is for this season and accept where they are, um, you know, I, I listen, I went in hoping to see a great game last night, enjoy myself at the rink. And I think that was the way most Jet fans were. And uh, listen, they were rewarded for it. It was a great night overall. And, um, you know, this is a team that had played some pretty good hockey and hadn't got the results. And they did it against one of the best teams in the league. So listen, if you are holding out hope and you're looking for a win that maybe a team can build on, certainly last night was it. And, and to your point, Remus, I mean, they were getting it from all sides of the lineup. Um, you know, Mark Shifley and his line was huge. I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois had a monster game. Kyle Connor getting in. And I just want to circle back to Adam Lowry because it wasn't too long ago the Jets were playing the Calgary Flames in that game. And, you know, we were spending a lot of time talking about, I mean, the first and second line wasn't seemed to be going on the same night, but there was nothing happening in the bottom six. And Adam Lowry in that game went in with less goals and less points than Trevor Lewis of all people. And I'm sure was playing probably about twice the minutes that Lewis has been since then. He has been generating a ton at five on five. And I'll tell you what, his work shorthanded Remus has been an absolute revelation. There was jokes that, you know, on, on Friday night against the Dallas game that, you know, as poor as the jets power play was, um, the Jets were actually getting more better chances when Adam Lowry was out shorthanded than on one of their five power plays or whatever it was in the first period. But uh, Adam Lowry's really stepping up. I mean, there's not we haven't seen any quit in this team, and he is really leading the way right now. Every shift out there for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, you look at Adam Lowry's numbers in the last like three weeks. Um, you know, we were talking about his goal totals. It's been such a down year for him, but uh, he's. I mean, he's been excellent, you know, chipping in uh, on the third line. It seems like he gets a shorthanded breakaway every, every game now. Every game. And uh, I think having, having Nikolai Ehlers back, I mean, you don't need to say it. It's absolutely huge, absolutely huge for the team. Gives them more secondary scoring. And, uh, you know, the line with him, Kopp, and Lowry has been solid. And, you know, going back to, what, like February 17, so a month. I'm trying to bring up the, uh, the numbers here, but he's got, what, one, two, three, four, five goals uh, in the last three weeks and he's got eight on the year so uh, he's really doing some damage there and I think that that's the type of player you know you thought you were getting from Adam maybe he's the one getting the coach bump here Hus uh, with, yeah. with his dad behind the bench you know what I mean and I'll tell you what I think he's enjoying playing with Nikolai Ehlers as well I mean Ehlers did uh, you know a typical Ehlers play where you know he held the puck you know was skated like a jitterbug all around the ice and put it on net and then there was Adam Lowry to bang it in I've actually really liked that, like that combination. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, listen, I, I have a lot of time for getting Nikolai Ehlers out there more. Um, you know, I think he's one of the, if not the most impactful offensive player and can do a lot of things on his own that make a lot of other guys better. And, you know, you do need to get that guy out there more. But as Kenny talked about last night on KNR, not entirely sure coming back from this injury, um, you know, how close to really 100% that he is right now. Um, so maybe there is a little bit of game management as well when it comes to uh, come to Ehlers. Hey, yep. just quickly, a shout out to our buddy Les Thompson. Les, thanks so much for the super chat. It was great to see you last night at the game. I saw Les Remo and he was there rocking the Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie. Little celebration of the uh, of the first year anniversary. So thanks so much to Les. Um, and I know some people are wondering about the uh, the supporter badges that we're seeing. And a thanks to Bardo and thanks to Candace Jane. 
Um, we kind of, it was something that maybe you just want to let people know if they happen to miss yesterday's show, Remus, what's happening right now in the YouTube chat. And, uh, just a fun way if people want to support Winnipeg sports talk, they can do it. Yeah. I just noticed a lot of people, you know, we weren't really actively asking for it, but a lot of people, you know, were generous and have been doing super chats. So I thought I'd do something fun and that people the opportunity to get a little badge behind their same. It's the microphone from our logo. You know, each month you get a different get a different color and there's also some we're making we're in the emoji business making custom emojis there's one of hustler doing the wave what is it <laughs> what a jets logo uh, i'm gonna get some uh, gonna get some other ones so it's the join button at the bottom uh, on youtube for anyone uh, anyone who's asking i don't know about i think there's some issues with mobile i'm not sure about mobile uh as well so oh there's there's paul giving us a nice uh Happy anniversary, Super Chat as well. Thank you very much, Paul. Hey, thanks a lot, Paul. Congrats, Huss and Remo, on your anniversary from a big fan on the island. Uh, yeah, do appreciate it. And yeah, super, the uh, the, the, the supporter, the membership, it's two bucks, uh, two bucks a month, and, uh, and we've got some neat things. I'm working in, I want to get a great bomber-themed emoji for it um, with two great cups beside each other, simulating the back-to-back. And uh, I know there'll be a lot of those coming up in the chat when we get to football season in a few months, Reem. Yeah, I'm just come thinking of great ideas. I tried to get the Logan Stanley like raising his arms. I was one of you doing the wave in there, in there too. So shout out to yes, shout out to shout out to everyone in there. I'm just I just wanted to go over the ice time from you know talk about Eels. Yeah, he only played 12 (laughs) minutes, but I think seemingly you know you know it's a good game when everyone's ice time is down. You know we have been seeing uh, seeing some big ice times for that top line, but Mark Shifley. I mean he's only 20 and a half minutes total. Um, Dubois and Connor Dubois around 18 minutes. And I think Dubois, I mean, he knows how to, you know, we see these highlight real goals from line a and you get excited. I mean, we're going to be talking about Dubois line a for forever, but you see line a, um, you know, his toughness his you know, aggression in the corners, um, and his skill and ability to score. I think he's getting a lot of fans too, as well for what was a di- very disappointing season, uh, very disappointing season last year, but I think he's having a total bounce back and really, uh, you know, becoming one of the leaders on this team as well. No, no, 100% he is. And, you know, we've seen it last night. And the one thing, you know, I think a lot of people have mentioned at times, you know, that real push of, um, you know, of guys in the Winnipeg Jets and the the response to other teams sometimes hasn't been there uh, amongst the top players. And you cannot say that about Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, You know, he has been willing to engage night in and night out. Um, you know, he's getting in the corners, he's uh, pissing other players off, he's getting in skirmishes, and he's not doing it to the point where he's spending a ton of time in the penalty box, but he is absolutely imposing his will at times on games. And, um, you know, he's shooting the puck as well. I mean, he had five shots last night. He, of course, did score um, and, you know, was on the ice for a couple of those defensive gaps that left, uh, let, you know, that ended up in the back of the Winnipeg net. Um but I don't know if you could ask much more from Pierre-Luc Dubois from what he's done so far this season. I think if they had had the level of engagement of the entire team the way they've had it from Dubois pretty much throughout the season, we'd be having a very different story. All that being said, though, uh, off to New Jersey and New York and then St. Louis on this road trip, Remus. And we do have a little bit of news today. Nathan you put on IR, not a surprise, but they are going to need another defenseman. It's Billy Hainala that gets the call. I don't think for a second, if you're all fired up to get Billy in the lineup, don't get your hopes up for tomorrow. I don't think there's any way Dave Lowry changes the lineup that just beat Tampa Bay. 
Um, but Villy will get an opportunity potentially at some point, depending on injury or play, to get on. And at least we know where he is on that depth chart right now as the next man up. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. I mean, Nate Beaulieu, you know what? He's he's a tough guy. I mean, he stands in front of these uh, shot lanes and takes shot after shot. I mean, he's had some wild shifts this year. But yeah, he's on IR. Villy's called up. And I know, I know you'd like to see him in the lineup. I'm not really sure if he's going to get in. I mean, we'll have to wait and see. And you know, I think the issue with the Jets D is, you know, I was talking to Nintendo Ice Hockey, but they got too many like skinny <laughs> medium guys. I mean, Your you have... Nintendo take never yeah, gets old. You never get... You got too many... I mean, you have Morrissey, uh, DeMello, Pionk, and then you got what? Your big guys like Brendan Dillon um, and, and your Nate Schmidt's kind of a medium guy as well. I don't know. And so you had, uh, you know, Bilyeu, he's kind of like your big burly guy, but I don't know, does, uh, I guess they've been going with Stanley too, who's, who's a big guy. So I don't know if Hainala's going to fit in. I think you'd like, if they're going to call him up, you'd like to see them play him. You know, our guy Jacob Stoller posted some numbers for that. He's, uh, his performance in the AHL, I mean, he's been, uh, one of the top defensemen uh, in the league there. So, uh, I mean, I don't know what, what you're going to do with this guy. Going, are they showcasing him for, for a possible trade? I have no idea because they're going to have to trade, I think, someone on, on defense Yeah, they're, yeah they're showcasing him to trade him for a rental at the no, deadline. No, not for a rental. No, not for a rental. I never said that. I, never <laughs> I, know, said that. I know. I know. I know you didn't. I'm joking. Hey, I tell you what. I thought Logan Stanley had a real strong game last night. Um, you know, he uh, was a big part of the uh, the goal that got the team on the board right off the bat, um, you know, showing some confidence and, you know, played a lot too. I mean, Logan Stanley actually played more than Nate Schmidt and Neil Pionk in the game last night and uh, was a big part of that ch- penalty killing unit. I'll tell you what, Raymond, we'll talk about this with Marat a little bit later on when he joins us. The turnaround of the Jets penalty kill has been, um, I'll tell you what, if they're killing penalties right earlier in the season, the way they are right now, you're definitely talking about a few extra points in the uh, a few extra points in the standings. I mean, that has been one real significant improvement that we've seen under Dave Lowry. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. I don't know what it is if it's putting uh, Kyle Connor on the penalty kill. I mean, you saw that uh, what his speed can do, and I think we talked about this Murat too with Murat before. I mean, how Kyle Connor, you know, when went five on five, may not be the best defensive player, but you put him in a penalty killing role, and he can certainly be effective. And it seems like that's something the Jets haven't done, used a guy like him on the penalty kill, and he's showing um, you know, that he's definitely, definitely capable. And Adam Lowry, again, uh, the last he's been getting, again, breakaway almost every game, shorthanded. So uh, they're definitely on a bit of a, a good stretcher. And yeah, oh, I mean, holding the Lightning 0 for 3, and you're winning the, uh, the, you know, the special teams battle yesterday, plus 2, I mean, you got to feel good about that. No doubt about it. Uh, so, yeah, Marat's going to come and join us. We'll get into uh, Jets last night's game. A look ahead to the road trip, as well as a really interesting piece he's got in the athletic kind of breaking down this season. Jets by the numbers. Hey, a big thank you to Dino Apostolopoulos. Dino, thanks so much for the super chat, man. Really appreciate it. Dino says, missed it yesterday. Happy belated anniversary. Thanks so much. Yes, we are well into year two of WST, and uh, it was a heck of a fun show. It was really going to be an entirely fun week. We're going to do a big marble race on Friday afternoon, so make sure you stick around for that. And a congratulations to Tyson Ducharme, who uh, won our uh, impromptu marble race yesterday on the big day, the one-year anniversary of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, Remo, just quickly, uh, away from hockey for a second, because we are going to get back to it and a number of other topics with the O-Dog, Jeff O'Neill, in just a few minutes. 
Yesterday, the big story going into the show was Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay and then the Russell Wilson blockbuster trade from Seattle to Denver. Not quite on the level of yesterday's deal, but there's another quarterback on the move. Carson Wentz, after a disappointing time in Indianapolis, is on the move to the WFT, or I guess the Commanders, as they're called now. He'll be Washington's new quarterback, I believe traded for a couple of third-round selections. This is the team, I think they, this is sort of plan D, maybe, for Washington as to what they were going to do at the quarterback position, uh, but another chance for the number former Eagle and former number two overall pick to sort of resuscitate his career that's uh, really gone into the tank in the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I mean, Indy needed a win in Jacksonville at the end of the season to get into the playoffs, and they were upset, and Carson Wentz on his way out, and Washington Commanders got to get used to saying that they didn't have, I mean, who was their quarterback? Did they even did they even have one? Um, so they're taking some picks. Uh, oh, Taylor yeah, he was, Heineke, he and of course okay. they signed Fitz, right? And Fitz got in, in um, Fitz Magic got injured in the first game of the season and never played. I, I actually thought Heineke was okay. Um, but, you know, listen, in he, the National Football League, I mean, we were talking about just the quarterbacks in the AFC West yesterday. Um, you know, if you want to contend and you want to beat the Green Bay Packers or the San Francisco 49ers or the Los Angeles Rams, who, of course, won the Super Bowl, you're going to need to have some high-level quarterback play. And um, it'll be interesting to see what Frank Reich and the Colts do going forward now that they're moving on from uh, from Carson Wentz. Anyways, we'll talk about that towards the end of the program. Andy Mack will join us coming up after 2 p.m. once we finish an extended Jets con uh, Jets um, conversation with our good friend Murata Tesh. Uh, hey, what up? WST Hollywood Gremlin and uh, Todd Kutcheron, thank you for... Being a supporter of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hey, speaking of supporters of Winnipeg Sports Talk, we can't do this without the great support of the sponsors of WST, including our friends over at F Apparel, a Winnipeg-owned business with Winnipeg's best and most affordable custom suits for men. Also, selling dress shirts, winter jackets, chinos, golf pants, untucked dress shirts, shoes, ties, accessories, and more. Every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. And F's custom-made suits start at just 400 bucks. Great deal for wedding parties. Uh, 15% off if you get these suits as a group from F Apparel. And, of course, high school graduations are coming up. A free shirt and tie for graduating high school seniors this year with the purchase of a suit. So basically for starting at 400 bucks, you can get a custom suit, shirt and tie. Great for a young man uh, moving on into the next chapter of his life. F apparel, EPH apparel.com. And you can pop down and see him at 190 Smith street downtown. Um, you know, I mentioned the great support we've got from our friends over at Vita health, fresh market. Shout out to my guy, Bonte. He was fired up about the game last night. And of course, Vita Health Fresh Market, now with seven locations in Winnipeg, is the place where you'll get great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And of course, they've been doing it for decades here. They've been the experts in this market for a long, long time and continue to grow. And they've just launched their brand new, fully shoppable website. So if you want to find out more about products beforehand or simply buy online and schedule a delivery with Instacart, you can do that as well online at myvita.ca. But it's always a good idea to pop into Vita Health because there's some amazing, dish delicious, and healthy lunch options. 
including Vita Market salads, soups, sandwiches, and more. As I mentioned, Vita Health, seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and check them out and shop online at myvita.ca. And, uh, of course, our friends at Culligan Water, speaking of longtime stewards of an industry in Winnipeg, have been the go-to people for water services for families and businesses alike for 65 years in Winnipeg and southern Manitoba. Stewart family has always been the leaders uh, when it comes to the water game in town, and they really do have it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. You can visit them in person at Culligan at 1200 Sargent Avenue. If you want to give them a call, find out more, schedule a delivery, hit them up at 204-694-5180, or find out more on all the Culligan water services at drinkculligan.com. All right, looking forward to talking Jets with Murata Tesh coming up in a few minutes. But first, let's welcome in my guy, the O-Dog from TSN's Overdrive. Oh, what's going on? Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks a lot for having me, bud. It's good to talk to you again. You missing Gary Lawless or what? Uh, somewhat. We got Vegas here coming actually for a couple games in Winnipeg in the next few weeks. And it'll be interesting to see them coming in. I mean, this is a team that, oh, listen, I don't know, hand up. I mean, there's been a lot of surprises in the league this year, but... Seeing Vegas lose last night to Philly and being uh, right in there on the playoff line was not something that I had anticipated. I, oh, what's up with those guys? It just seems like it's almost like the nervous excitement, the positive energy of getting Eichel into the lineup. Sometimes it kind of backfires where everybody kind of maybe takes their foot off the gas a little bit, and it's like, oh, Eichel's here, he's the superstar, and guys start playing differently. It's a weird vibe like that. Sometimes it clicks and it works out, but... They better get their Aston gear or they're going to be in some trouble. It's not going to be easy to make the playoffs in any situation unless you're in the Atlantic and have that comfortable league or the Metro. So they, they better get it together pretty quickly. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, not having Mark Stone in the lineup, I mean, he's such a huge part of what they do. And I'm not sure whether it's, yeah. a, you know, a full L legit LTIR or whether it's a little Kucherov action from last year. But they got cap issues. They don't have their captain in the lineup, but it's not good. Uh, but, of course, people are interested in your thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets, O-Dog. I mean, we're uh, there's a high expectations for this team going into the season. And uh, listen, a great night at the rink last night. We just talked about it. I mean, big win over Tampa, but those have been few and far in between. And any sort of consistent stretch from the Winnipeg Jets has pretty much been non-existent since the early part of the season. How surprised are you that the Winnipeg Jets are where they are right now? And uh, what what do you make of their plot? I'm surprised at their season. I know that, I mean, the Paul Maurice stuff was unexpected for me anyway, but he had his, he had his time and he thought it was over, but when they kind of shored up their decor, I'm pretty positive that everyone in our building there at TSN was like, this could be the year that they actually get it done with Hellebuck and net and showing up that decor, which everybody kind of complained about or thought about last year. Like, why didn't you do it? But I, you know, Blake Wheeler's getting a year older and it just didn't gel and Ehlers got hurt. But I thought they were just, like last year we talked about their top nine, their top 12, their forward depth, how dynamic they were, how many different ways they can hurt you. And I really thought they were going to pull it all together and be one of the dominant teams in the West, in the league. But I, And Hellebuck's a reason, too. Like, usually that guy's so dialed in and he steals games and he's got that Vasilevsky vibe where he's just so big and dominant, you're never going to score on him. 
they, you can pretty much start there every time. Obviously, their offense was sputtering at the beginning, but you always view Hellebuck as that guy, that safety net, and he, he, I don't think he's been that for them this year. Well, I mean, with Maurice leaving, oh, um, there's a lot of talk about, you know, certainly the coach for next season. I mean, they haven't had the results and the bump under Dave Lowry that I think people had hoped, and you know, maybe they go a different direction. But a lot of questions about the core. And you mentioned Blake Wheeler. I mean, Wheeler's been a great captain and been a great member of this hockey club for a long time, but, you know, he's certainly on the back nine of his career. I think a lot more was expected of Mark Shifley, and it's been bizarre. I mean, you go back to the playoff series last year against Montreal, the hit on Jake Evans with knocked him out. Um, missed the first game of the season, and it's been really spotty for Shife so far. And, and, and in addition, I mean, you're hearing things that you know we've never heard before. I mean, I think Tim Peel was a bit of a Yahoo with his comments, but you know, to hear people taking shots at Shife like that, um, and some thoughts that maybe he won't be around next year. I mean, this is a guy that's been so productive, but um, it has been somewhat puzzling as to his overall season for the Jets. Would you agree? Well, I think that he's just so used to having you know, the dynamic wingers to, to get things done. It's just offensively, it hasn't worked for those guys. As far as the Tim Peel comments, that's probably Shife telling him to F off a few times during the during time. And Peeler said, you know what, I've had enough of that. I'm going to take a shot back. I know both guys. I like both guys. But that's probably Timmy saying, not really knowing Shife on a personal level. And some guys are yippy at the refs, and maybe Shife's that. So that was Timmy's chance to kind of fire back. But I don't put any stake into that, what Shife's all about. It was a slow start for him, but it's like they're running out of time, man. Like, they got to go on a run here and get dialed in, and there's no more excuses. There's no more saying our goaltending or Scheife and Wheeler aren't getting it done. Like, they, those guys got to step up, and everybody's got to step up and have their best hockey, and basically they almost are in a situation where it feels like they're going to win out to get in. So that's where they're at right now. Whether they can pull it off, that remains to be seen. Well, and of course, Patrick Liney's tearing it up in Columbus, and uh, he still has a lot of fans around here. One of the real positives, though, of this season has been the play of Pierre-Luc Dubois. I mean, he is turning into a real horse, yeah. a two-way player. And I mean, uh, a, a guy that, you know, I think Winnipeg Jet fans can lean on to think that you know there's a bright future if they, they get this guy signed down the middle long term. Well, he's the guy that they, they brought in, that big kind of power forward with an attitude, and he's kind of got that right now. Um, last year was mystifying watching him play, but you know, they're both kind of getting together. They made the trade and you're like, did both teams lose this trade last year? It's like line. A wasn't very good. And Dubois wasn't very good. And it's like, what the heck happened to these guys where we had them on this pedestal or this perch where like, these are two of the best young players in the game. And they both kind of disappeared last year, but, uh, contract year for line. A kind of maybe got his attention there. Hustler. So, uh, who knows, but he's pretty dynamic and dialed in right now, scoring goals, and Dubois is just, he's fantastic. They just need to get everybody, as I mentioned a minute ago, it's like everybody's got to be dialed in. they got to get Shai followed up by him and everybody playing well, their decor and their goaltender, and see if they can kind of put it together. be awfully disappointing if they miss the playoffs, man. Because that uh, team, nobody had that yeah. pegged peg to miss the playoffs. No doubt. And it still is go. a very, very long road and a big uphill climb. One other team that I think a lot of people are surprised at, especially with the way they started, is the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, oh, oh how, how is this team with two of the best players in the league where they are right now? And if they miss the playoffs, I mean, what becomes of that team? And, um, you know, of course, they brought in new coaching staff. I mean, you have to wonder if there's another disappointment in Edmonton. Um, how they go forward and do how's they go possible? forward? Like, uh, how's it possible? Like you're talking about two of the best players to ever play the game 
And usually you look in the past with Crosby and Patrick Kane and Dowdy and Kopitar and all those young guys, it was like start out kind of good, have some team success, and then ultimately a couple runs and then a championship. And, I mean, that's kind of – that's wishful thinking. That's just – it's tough to do. But you would think that would be the progression for Edmonton. I said a couple of years ago, I'm like, these guys are going to win sooner or later. They're just too good of players. But you talk about their goaltending, you talk about their defense core, and it seems to be the same kind of issues. They give up so many opportunities. They want to run and gun. It's like they tried to play defense for four or five games when the coach changed, and then they said, oh, we're not into that. So that's going to be fascinating if they ultimately miss Hustler. Like, what the hell happens? Does one of them actually say, you know, it's been six or seven years here, maybe check, please? I'm telling you, people think I'm crazy for saying that. We live in a world where athletes are just going to they, – they say, check, please. I want to play somewhere else. And that's, that, that's what happens. All over sports, people are like, I'm, I'm going to go do this somewhere else. That's just the way it goes, man. I don't know if that's going to happen, but it could. I'm telling you, it could. You know what? All that losing adds up. And, um, you know, these guys are into the primes of their career. And, uh, you know, if they think right. it's, it's just going like to – It's not like year two or three. It's like year six and seven and stuff now. It's not – like, if you can play 12 years, you're lucky, or 12 or 15. It's like there's six or seven in and nothing. Like, uh, it, it is amazing. You know, on the other side of the spectrum, when we're talking Canadian teams, the Calgary Flames have been the best story without a doubt. And, oh, I mean, I spent a lot of time doing shows all summer in Calgary and listening to the fans there. And, I mean, everyone was there was ready to, quote, unquote, blow it up or move on from a big part of that core. They didn't do that. They lost Mark Giordano, in fact, one of the biggest losses in the expansion draft. And yet, Daryl Sutter has completely turned this thing around. Uh, how how has how has he done it? Well, I think everybody had this idea that Daryl Daryl Sutter, all the the new smart people that do graphs and stuff for hockey, that think that some old guy that lives on a farm can't come in there and knows what he's doing. And he's basically told these guys, you can be creative, you can score goals, play offense, but you got to do it under a certain not limits or whatever, but there's a team structure here where there's certain areas of the ice you can do your thing. And I think he's he's held them all accountable, but you, you want to go to the biggest difference maker. Markstrom had an adjustment season with a new team last year, and he is the guy that they signed now. So he's starting to play like the $6 million man that they brought in. And when you have a goaltender like that and kind of a physical, edgy team and, and timely goal scoring with that top line and some of their offensive guys, that's a recipe to have success in the playoffs. So they're going to be – if I'm them, I'm adding Hustler. Like, I'm, I'm just going to say I'm not stopping at the Foley. If there's another great defenseman out there, I want it. And if there's another forward out there, I want it. Because who knows how long things stay together in Calgary there. It's not like they've been great for a long time and their window's just opening up. Maybe the time is now for them to make a play to just say, let's, let's make a move here and go all in. Why well, not? I get so sick and tired, buddy, of teams that are like, Oh, God, no, we can't trade that guy. We can't trade this guy. They never win. They haven't done anything. So why are teams so connected and committed to guys when they haven't had a track record of success? That's one thing that's boggled my mind. Like, why are you married to people in your organization that you don't win with? Like, why, why, why is there such a commitment? What are you afraid of? Like, what are you afraid of is my question. So hopefully there's some teams that want to take some risks. Team like Carolina, real good team. Like, you got to decide, do you want to be Nashville? That's just been really good for seven or eight years, and they never won. They did get to a final, but try to take that next step, man, and make a move. 
Well, and, and speaking of that, I imagine, I mean, this has been a great season for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but you talk about lack of success. This team hasn't been out of the first round in forever, and uh, they're in a real tough neighborhood in the National Hockey League. What's the, what is oh the pressure God. like on this Toronto team going into the playoffs? Well, they haven't got out in the first round with this group for, what, five years? So there's immense pressure. And it's just like... They're my guys, you know, I'm Leafs guy, I played for the Leafs, and it's just like they can't go without having stress. It's like things were moving along smoothly, and it was all good, and then all of a sudden the goaltenders decide that they don't want to play, and all of a sudden all this stress comes in. It's like, what are we going to do in the back end? What are we going to do with the goaltending? So it's going to be fascinating uh, to see what they do. Can they trust these two goaltenders or try to find one of them that they can go into the playoffs with? Right now, I think that would be tough to say yes to. But next couple of weeks is going to be dynamite in the NHL, bud. No, there's no doubt about well, that. Hey, speaking of big moves, um, what did you think about Russell Wilson going to Denver yesterday in that blockbuster? Something's weird there. It's, I just find it fascinating how one team is ready to ready and willing to move on from their guy, and the other team is just so desperate they sell the farm to get him. That's just pro sports, man, where it's like, Denver desperately wanted that alpha dog superstar quarterback. They finally got him. And from all accounts from the people we talked to yesterday, it was like Seattle was quite happy to move away from it and get the stockpiled picks and kind of reset and move forward. So I don't know. That's, that's pro sports. We'll see who's, who do you think yesterday, if you can take out the 200 million that went in Aaron Rodgers' uh, pocket, because everybody likes 200 million, who do you think out of yesterday was the biggest winner? Oh, I think the Packers. I mean, I think the Packers, they've got a guy that, you know, wins 13 games a year for them. I mean, listen, Denver might move up, but I mean, I'll make the argument that, you know, they went from having the fourth best quarterback in the division to having maybe the third best quarterback in the division because he's not my guy, Pat Mahomes. And this Justin Herbert, I think, is a stud as well. And when you think about what they gave up to get Russell Wilson, I do wonder, um, you know, if they'll be able to really compete. Like, I think they can be a wild card team. That being said, for the Packers, if it's anything other than 12 under center, you're talking about a completely different football team and um, expectations that are nowhere in the realm of what they have if Aaron Rodgers is quarterback. Yeah, I know. I mean, the sample size of Love last year, he played the one game in Kansas City and he couldn't complete a 10-yard pass. <laughs> but they, they, that, that basically that one game sent the organization a message we cannot go to this guy right now, and we desperately need Aaron Rodgers. And desperation in a storied organization like that makes you sign checks for $200 because you don't want to parade that guy out and be your starting quarterback for the next couple of years. Hey, oh, you're no stranger oh. to a little wager. Um, what was your reaction when you heard this Calvin Ridley story where uh, he bet 15 hun and uh, ended up losing 11.1 mil? Oh, I lost his career, bud lost his career. It's just so stupid. I bet you there's a lot of athletes that have done stuff that they're not supposed to do and nobody's supposed to know about, but they're smart enough to use their buddy's phone. Like, come on. Are you that dumb where you got to use your own phone to make transactions on betting websites? Like, trust me, everybody's got a little secret here or there. Whether you're an athlete or not, you don't use your own damn phone and cost yourself $100 because your career's over. Nobody wants to go near somebody that's got gambling stuff, especially on football. I mean, in the NFL, it seems like there's second, third, fourth, and fifth chances, but that's an awfully stupid. I always talk. Like, I'm an old man now, Hustler. I'm 46 years old. And it's like when you're my age, you just look back. Like, 
it just makes me sick that I didn't take my job more seriously as a pro athlete, and I have regrets now. And you do not want to be my age and have regrets. Like, you want to sit on your porch and look out at whatever you're going to look at and say, I did everything I could and gave myself the best chance to be successful. And, and there, was no, there was maybe a couple little stupid things in there, but it was all based towards that. So for him, when he's an old man like me or older, he's going to look at himself and say, what the hell was I doing? I cost myself so much with one $1,500 ridiculous transaction. No, it, it's so true. And I mean, you know, as a pro athlete, I mean, you know, back in your day, and I'm sure right now, I mean, there's no gray area on this. I mean, you get there the first day of camp and I mean, uh, they drill it in you that you need to stay away from anything related to there's a wager. On walk in with, there's guys that walk in with black suits and black ties. They look like men and black guys from that stupid movie. And it's like, they scare you. They scared me. They were perfect at their job. They had the look. They could have been actors because they were portrayed as these guys that not to be screwed with. And they're like, don't be doing this stuff. Anybody comes up and asks you who's injured, asks you this or that, you don't know squat. So he's a dummy. He's a dummy for doing that, man. Hey, before we go, I got to ask you, I know you're a big golf guy. I'm uh, looking forward to the players. What an incredible field we've got for this tournament this week. And uh, a lot of interesting stories around this event, certainly in the aftermath of uh, this, this new Saudi tour story. My favorite course in the world. I've been lucky enough to play it about 30 times. My buddy's a doctor down there. He's one of my best friends. I had one of my best weekends ever. Sawgrass in the morning. Super Bowl in Jacksonville at night, sawgrass the next morning. Oh, oh, oh. I was work. like, you can't beat that weekend. I, I drove home from from Jacksonville to Raleigh. I was so hungover, but I'm like, that was the best weekend of my life. <laughs> but that course is just, that course is so awesome. It's like, if you got any part of your game that's a little bit off, that place will, that'll kick your ass. But I love that spot. I love watching the tournament too, because I played the course so many times. Oh, no doubt. Like you know the shots, you know the undulation, you know the putts. It's just an awesome tournament to watch. I'll tell you what, as a guy that follows the game and the personalities as closely as you do, I mean, uh, the one thing that, you know, I don't know if we've made enough of is how Phil Mickelson has gone from being the most popular guy in golf outside of Tiger Woods, the oldest major winner. I mean, a guy that had everything and through some very, very poorly worded statements on this Saudi thing is now essentially a pariah. and. You know, we all know that DJ had the drug problem and they he took some time away, but it was a suspension. I really do wonder what the PGA has done with Phil Mickelson and what his future is playing on tour, in, you know, in North America. Well, Monaghan uh, did an interview with Mike Tirico yesterday and he said there's been no mandate here about anybody going away and staying away. We don't do that. But you know for damn sure that he was told to go the hell away and don't come back for a while. You talk about a legacy moment. It's like every green this guy walked up to, it would be thumbs up, thumbs up. His thumb's going to fall off when he's 60 years old because everybody loves the guy so much. And, like, how much damn money does this guy need? Apparently he's made over $800 million or just upwards of that. And who knows? People are talking about financial problems and other nonsense going on. Like, you just wonder what some people need in life to be happy. It's always just like when you got that much money, just go out there and tee it up. If you win, great. Just be just be smart and don't be stupid and don't say stupid stuff. That's what he did. It's just a, it's a legacy cost for that one. Well, I mean, and yeah, I mean, KPMG's been with him forever. Amstel Light. I mean, his sponsors are walking it goes away. 
gone. And, gone. And I mean, and that's Phil Mickelson. I mean, the most marketable guy maybe in the sport, as I mentioned outside of Tiger um, before that. Jeff O'Neill, the O-Dog is with us. Oh, before we go, I have to give you and the boys credit. I mean, the show just continues to be so enjoyable. And the greatest bit of content over the course of the entire pandemic, without a doubt, was the incredible sprint race between you and Al's brother. Uh, How the hell did you guys was, come up with that stuff? And uh, uh, what, what what can we look forward to? There was to? like an NFL pro day. There was like an NFL pro day. I'm like, let's do our own pro day, me and you. And he kind of looked at me like I had three heads. So we did the vertical jump, which was so embarrassing, and the 40-meter dash, which was also embarrassing. Then we had the bright idea to do a 200-meter later on in the summer, and it was just pathetic. So... I don't know if that one happens again, Paul. No, there's no, uh, you're not already hyping up another big head-to-head matchup between you and uh, you and AB? I don't want to ever have this conversation with you about me and AB doing athletic things. (laughs) Maybe pro wrestling. How about that? You guys would make a heck of a tag team. Anything could be better than what we did. Jeff, thanks so much for doing this. Say what's up to Noodles and Hayes. You guys continue to do a great job. It's a big part of many people's days, whether they're watching on uh, TSN television or checking it out on the radio. And uh, tell you what, we got some great hockey coming up through the rest of the season and into the playoffs. Although, unfortunately, I don't think the Jets will be invited to the party. That being said, we'll do this again sometime coming up. And uh, again, thanks again for joining us here in the peg. Okay, brother. Thanks for checking in. Talk to you soon. Oh, man, always good times chatting with the O-Dog. Of course, you can check him out on Overdrive. I'll uh, often check out some of the boys after we finish up here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily Live every afternoon. Um, All right. Hey, our pals over at Manitoba Battery have uh, have become hugely popular sponsors of ours um, because it seems like everyone that I talk to that pops in there has such a great experience working with Donnie and his staff on whatever they need. Of course, right now, still trying to get through this extended winter. We've got the best prices on automotive batteries around. And of course, it's great to support local. A hundred bucks, basically, for most makes and models uh, with Core Exchange, or they'll deliver it to you citywide for $115. Um, if you get it, the same day, if you get it ordered in by about 1.30 p.m. Um, of course, I might get actually get on the lake this uh, weekend and do a little bit of ice fishing on Saturday. And uh, Manitoba batteries, the spot to get the flasher batteries you need to keep catching fish all winter long. And soon we'll be talking about all the uh, fun batteries that go along with some of the toys this summer. Not quite yet. Of course, Manitoba batteries at 1026 Logan, 204-783-8787. Or you can check them out online at manitobabattery.ca. I did see Greg from Royal Sports last night. Not sure if he's in the chat, but what's up, Greg? He was at the game last night. I was grinding him, trying to get some of that inside info on the uh, new reverse retros for next season. I was not successful, but I can tell you that when those things are ready, you'll be able to get them at Royal Sports along with the best selection of Winnipeg Jets jerseys and gear in town, not to mention Bomber Grey Cup merchandise, tons of Bomber gear to start off with an NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, soccer from around the world and so much more. A massive hockey department, the biggest in the city, snowboards, fitness, and of course, all the cool stuff over on the King's Skate Snow and Surfside. Pop down and see him at 750 Pemina Highway and make sure you follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina to get the latest merchandise drops and info on deals and sales coming up at Royal Sports. And uh, as I mentioned, summer, spring at least, 
not a rumor, actually will happen. I did check the long-range forecast, and we're actually going to get to plus degrees next week. Um, so maybe it's time to start thinking about that new ride now that uh, the Winnipeg winter has killed your present one. If you're thinking about a new car, before you do anything, start your search by talking to the experts at Not Auto Corp. Why not get into the car of your dreams at an incredible price with the help of the Not team? Pop down and visit them at Waverly and McGilvery, or you can check them out online at not.ca. All right, Andy Mack coming up later on. Lots going on in the National Football League, but we've got a lot to chew on with Marat Atesh of The Athletic coming out of that Jets win last night against the Tampa Bay Lightning and on the road for a uh, busy three games in four nights. Let's welcome Marat in. Marat, what's up? How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing well. Uh, and let me start off with one more congratulations on hitting that one-year anniversary. We are lucky to have you. Hey, I really appreciate it. And uh, I mean, special appreciation to you for your contributions to the show. Uh, one of our certainly most popular guests on the program. We love having you. First things first, how are you feeling? You're off the list. You look like you're uh, back feeling good again. Now, how, how, where, where are we at? Yeah, um, off COVID protocol, we're uh, we're going to be back in Winnipeg in time for the next homestand after this trip. I mean, I guess I could use a haircut and a beard trim, but other than that, the lungs are good, the coughing has stopped, and you know it's just good to be back at it. Well, good to hear. Good to hear. Um, speaking of back at it, the Jets were back at it in the wind column last night, and um, I mean, as I said at the beginning of the program, it was just a really fun game, a fun night to be in the arena. Um, listen, there was some. A great offensive plays. There was a few ugly defensive plays in that first period. But I think what stood out to me, Murad, is the way the Jets were able to steady the ship coming out of the first period into the second period and then build on that in the third. And, um, you know, got two points that they absolutely deserved against one of the best teams in the league. Well, speaking of deserve, I, I think fans deserve that one. Absolutely. I mean, after the year that it's been, and I saw your tweets too, you were having fun in the crowd, you were meeting up with uh, with folks who listen and watch, and that's, that's great. But I mean, I was just thinking about the fans who have supported the team through their various struggles, their various injuries, their various claims about how old they are or are not. I mean, against Tampa Bay, back-to-back defending Stanley Cup champions, Winnipeg deserves something to cheer about, and you know, power to you out there if you got a, a really big kick out of that. I agree with you too, us. I should say, you know, it's um, I had a sense after that 3-3, well, how are we going to evaluate this game? And against Colorado, the Avalanche poured chances on. I agree with Mark Shifley in the post game when he said to reporters in Winnipeg that, um, you know, there was this sense of inevitability about Colorado scoring. That's how many chances they created. That's how dominant they were. Tampa, not as much last night. Winnipeg played a really good game. Uh, you know, you saw a lot of really nice 200-foot effort plays. I think Blake Wheeler uh, lived up to, to, to his, um, I guess, pregame words and all that sort of stuff. He played a great game. This was not Winnipeg hanging on for dear life. It was the Jets playing a pretty good hockey game. Well, yeah, I mean, there were no passengers last night. I mean, listen, there were some mistakes. I mean, you probably should have gone to the first intermission with a lead that wasn't the case but um everyone was chipping in I mean we've spent so much time talking about you know if they could just get those top two lines going at the same time and I guess the other thing that Remus and I were mentioning um you know there's a real dearth of scoring in the bottom six for a good portion of this season and you know for my money Adam Lowry isn't just playing some of his best hockey of the season I mean he's playing some of his best hockey as a Winnipeg Jet right now and some of the pucks are going in. He's actually getting rewarded from it. But um, the fourth line played quite a bit last night. And, and 
you know, that's a game that, you know, you might not think that would be the case considering the opponent. Um, and certainly a pretty nice distribution of minutes amongst the blue line as well. I mean, uh, I think Dave Lowry must have gone to sleep last night, probably wishing he'd seen more of this up until this point, but certainly um, two points well earned by Winnipeg. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. I think the integration of forwards and defense last night, especially offensively, was a really nice thing to see. Adam Lowry, I mean, I, I hesitate every time he goes through a, a stretch where he doesn't score forever and ever. You know, you get those, well, he's a fourth-line center at best sort of situations and, and, and that kind of criticism. And when he's not producing, it's easy to agree with that. I mean, you... Uh, you really want something better than just hoping to hold the other team off the score sheet. You want the idea of a third line to create a little bit too. Um, but the thing about Adam Lowry is previous stress runs, previous playoff drives, you know, I think about him against Calgary, for example, in that qualification round. I, I, could, I could point to a lot of times in his career where he has struggled offensively for a great stretch and then has showed up at a particularly important stretch of the season. Um, he's not always going to be getting shorthanded breakaway after shorthanded breakaway. Mm-hmm. He got one on the power play too, which was mm-hmm. kind of fun. But the goal that you hope that he can score, and this this ties it all together for me, it's Winnipeg's forwards and defensemen, um, and the fact that they played one of their best games uh, all in one. But Nick Ehlers making that long curl high into the offensive zone. You get three Tampa Bay Lightning puck watching, Tampa Bay is also in one-on-one coverage, so you get Tampa Bay following Ehlers to the top of the zone. Winnipeg's defensemen are making themselves available as options, so there have to be at least three Tampa Bay Lightning towards the top of the zone because they're playing one-on-one coverage. And what does that do? It creates space for Adam Lowry in front of the net, which is where he goes at the right time to get onto that deflection and then bury his own rebound goal. That was a little bit of everything coming together, and at the against the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions at that, that's a good look. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. And I mean, Ehlers has been, I mean, listen, I think we all have some room for maybe a few more minutes, uh, presuming that he's able and, you know, ready to kind of step it up coming off that long time uh, out of the lineup. Um, But when he has been on the ice, he is such a difference maker, Marat. And we saw it, you know, with the struggling power play unit that, you know, had the majority of the time Ehlers came out with a couple goals on the weekend and you know, I thought that that Lowry goal was a big, big goal. And uh, listen, credit to Adam Lowry for being where he needed to be to have the opportunity to score the goal. Um, but the offensive creativity and, you know, you know, making the space available for uh, Adam Lowry really did start with 27 on that play. Yeah, and it's a, a big difference at five on five what Lowry can produce when it's Nick Ehlers and Andrew Kopp on his wings as opposed to Austin Paganski or Christian Veselainen or... Christian Reichel, who are great stories. I mean, their their success at the AHL level and their um, NHL level play is a good story for them. That, that's not to take away from them, but they're not Nick Ehlers and they're not Andrew Kopp. Um, I think that it also illustrates something that the Jets have talked about a lot. You hear Dave Lowry say it. You heard Paul Maurice say it against Montreal in the playoffs last year. The Jets need to get to the net. The Jets need to get to the net. But the big thing, and I've said this before and written it too, is that they have to go to the net with the reasonable belief that the puck is going to get there. And that takes a little bit of space making from the speed of Nikolai Ehlers in that case. It takes a little bit of activation from the defenseman as well to get that puck through, get it on, get it on net for a redirection. And all three of Winnipeg's first period goals involved activated defensemen. And I think that's a good sign. That's when players can believe the puck is going to get there and justify that net drive. Uh, to get onto pucks like that and create goals like Lowry's 
like Shifley's and on and on. Yeah, well, I, I mean, you know, they scored goals in a number of different ways last night. And listen, I don't think John Cooper's going to be pointing at that game as a great example of the Tampa Bay Lightning at their best. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, they had a lot of space. They've made the most of it. And I'll say this, Murat. I mean, it has been a bone of contention of mine that, you know, so many of the Jets' problems have been self-inflicted. I mean, it comes back to, you know, spotty and at times poor puck management um, and, you know, things that at this level often are done quite simply have been difficult at times for the Winnipeg Jets last night. But I'm not sure whether it was they realized that, you know, they can't spend too much time thinking about it, things against the Tampa Bay Lightning and just go and execute it. But especially in that third period, I mean, the top line at the top of that list, I mean, with Mark Shifley, and I mean, he could have had a hat trick in the first period. I mean, they were making quick decisions and they were making the right decisions and they were taking advantage of the space that they did have that was allowed them by Tampa. Um, and they were beating a pretty damn good goalie doing it as well. Yeah, I think the thing that I like a lot is that they controlled the flow of play against one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. And that took that committed effort from every, from everybody, you know, Blake Wheeler for me stood out defensively. Uh, his 200 foot back checks, there were multiples. He got into defensive position a whole bunch, but we, we often talk about Mark Dykley with the uh, defensive flyby and the, and the wishful jump into that neutral zone and things like that. He was winning battles and it set up his own goal, especially offensive zone battles. He was, uh, you know, he was like a dog on a bone out there. He and Paul Stastny um, winning that puck back to the point, uh, in advance of, I think it was Stastny's goal, actually, which was Pionk at the area for, for Stastny to follow up. I mean, you like that sort of stuff. And when you when all three of those guys are at the top of their games, there's still an effective line. It just takes commitment with every battle in every zone all of the way through. There's somebody on Twitter, and I wish I could remember, so forgive me you know, if you're out there and you're the one who wrote this, but amongst all of the cheer, one of the people said, well... If all it is is a matter of will and effort and this idea that they had to to play with that kind of commitment, um, that actually kind of dismays me, they wrote, you know, I, because all season long they could have efforts like this and not make it as hard on themselves as they did. Um, I'm not sure that the Jets are juggernaut that are going to roll teams like Tampa Bay all throughout the season, but they should be a better team than their spot in the standings so far. Yeah, I, I, I've got a lot of time for that argument, and it is somewhat frustrating because you can see what this team's capable of, and we just haven't seen that anywhere close to enough, and that's part of the reason why, um, you know, it's so um, it's such a long climb to get back into playoff contention. Big picture, though, and I want to get to your article in The Athletic on Jets by the Numbers, um, but we've talked a lot about Adam Lowry and the chances that he's creating shorthanded. Um, the penalty kill has just gone, um, you know, from a very, very dark place earlier in the season to a pretty effective unit. And listen, uh, for my money, the highlight of the entire game last night was Kyle Connor's shorthanded goal. I mean, the move, the moves that that dude dropped on Vasilevsky, one of the best in the world at his position, was worth the price of admission alone. But um, but what do you make of the, the resurgence of the Jets' power play and uh, excuse me, the penalty kill unit? Um, and and what have they done other than you know a little bit of different personnel, including Kyle Connor being a a central figure when it comes to the PK units? Well, I mean, it's been top ten since Lowry took took over, and I don't know that it's one hundred percent Lowry, but he does sort of coincide with the moment at which things turn for the Jets. Another thing that happens that day is Jamie Compton joined the team for the first time since um, being away from it uh, with, with his wife's elements as well. So there are reasons to think 
that is systemic and structured, and you watch them and you look at the pressure that they apply upon entry, um, upon entry, the Jets have found a really nice bit of aggression that was missing and a confidence that was missing earlier on in the season where in those moments between, I want to say they're like half possession. The other team has the puck, but they're not in power play setup yet. And they're certainly not in a situation where they're creating scoring chances yet. That's a situation where I think teams are vulnerable. And I think that the Jets have identified teams being vulnerable in that moment. They're using the speed of Kyle Connor. They're using the intelligence of Andrew Kopp and Paul Stastny. And they're applying pressure at those moments before things are quite set up. They're creating havoc in that in those sorts of situations. They're not just giving up a whole lot fewer goals. They're creating some as well because of Connor's speed, but because of Adam Lowry, because of Dominic Toninato as well. Um but shots against are a little bit down. All of the quality metrics are a little bit down and they're giving up less as well. I think it took a perfect storm, everything awful at the beginning of the season. They weren't winning those battles. They were losing faceoffs. They weren't getting the save. So I think everything's improved a little bit, but it's that amount of pressure picking teams up across the blue line. And in any sort of 50-50 scenario, the, the jet speed and assertiveness has really helped them start winning some of those battles. Murata Tesh of The Athletic with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, you know, it's sort of a nice transition into your piece on Jets by the numbers because the one thing that the Winnipeg Jets did very well last night was finish their opportunities and actually score on their grade-A chances. And listen, they did it against one of the best in the game in Vasilevsky. Uh, you know, I, you speak, you use the word dismayed. I was somewhat dismayed earlier last week when I was looking at one of the Jay Fresh charts, um, which was comparing the goals scored to expected goals for the year. And the Jets were 30th in the league at minus 18, almost minus 19. Um, and it, it just goes to show that, you know, what we have been seeing is that times they have been creating stuff. They have been, you know, giving themselves opportunities to score, but they haven't been doing it. And um, they got the finishing last night. But as you pointed out in your article, Murad, um, over the entire body of work of this season, um, there hasn't been a lot of pucks. Go it hasn't been as many pucks going in that you would think there would be with the amount that they have created as far as offensively and getting chances on net. Yeah, exactly. If you count the power play too, it's up to 33 goals or so. Um, according to this would come from Micah McCurdy at hockey, Fizz, where 33 goals compared to other teams with average finishing Winnipeg has been shorted this year by, by not bearing down and finishing their chances or what have you. You can make your own interpretations. The Important thing to recognize about the expected goal stuff is any of the publicly available models, they're talking about where on the ice shots come from. And believe you me, um, you know, that this age-old adage of goals come from in front of the net is absolutely true from the mathematical point of view. Simply getting a shot of any kind from that low slot means a lot. We know this. Um, it talks about what kinds of shots, forehands, backhands, slap shots, one-timers, etc. cetera. Um, some of the models include things like um, how fast the the puck has come into the offensive zone from the defensive zone. There's estimations of whether it was a rush chance or not. One thing that is missing a little bit um, from these public models is pre-shot puck movement. So whether that shot from the low slot comes from a perfect pass from the wall that beats two defenders, the goalie's got to push post to post, or whether uh, it's just a rebound or what have you, that's not in these publicly uh, available models. So that's just for context. You can throw all of that right out. The, the truth of the matter is Winnipeg has scored more goals than expected every single year 
of Jets 2.0 existence. A lot of that's Shifley, a lot of that's Patrick Line, Kyle Connor, all those things throughout the year, except for this one. So for the first time ever in Jets 2.0 history, they're finishing less than average. And that, honestly, it's a bit stunning. You wouldn't expect that based on just the, the amount of prestige we give their offense. We talk about them like they're amongst the best uh, in the NHL, and I think that that may apply to a few players, Connor Dubois, Ehlers, et cetera, right now. Um, we learn Shifley when they're on, but it's not a top-nine murderer's row where every player can, can finish with the best. Right no, and and you know that that uh, that graph that you put out from uh, on the piece. I mean, uh, you know, uh, red is good and uh, blue is uh, not so good, um, and you, you maybe speaks to just why Dave Lowry has been so adamant about getting to the net um, because they need more chances around there. Because the ones that they've been getting, they haven't been converting on them. I mean, there's a lot of deep blue right in front of the net, and let's face it, that's not something as you just pointed out we've ever been used to associating with the Winnipeg Jets. No, I mean, they tend to vary. They tend, I mean, over the course of the years, they've had so much offensive firepower. And even now, uh, right up until the All-Star break, Mark Shifley was shooting. Uh, his shooting percentage was so low. He wasn't finishing. You could play that highlight reel where he skies the one-timer or he gets robbed by Vimelka or whatever the story is. Um, some of that's come home to roost. I think he scored an awful lot of goals and uh, sort of the puck luck has come back in his direction of late. But team-wide, you're used to seeing Winnipeg finish those. You're used to, when they get those chances, it's because, you know, prime-aged Blake Wheeler bulldozed his way to the net, and there's chaos there. Or Pierre-Luc Dubois right now, for example, as well. Or Kyle Connor on a breakaway. I mean, those sorts of chances. And then you've also historically had guys like Patrick Laine, who can score from great distance way more than you'd expect an average shooter to be able to do. One thing I wonder about, though, Huss, and I wonder what you think about this, is Winnipeg likes shots from the point. Winnipeg takes an, uh, an above-average amount of shots from the point. Sometimes there's traffic. Sometimes there isn't. I wouldn't argue that anybody at the point can rival a Kale McCarr or shoot like Dustin Buffman used to. And it may be, at least for those shots far away, that that's kind of explaining some of the poor finishing as well, that these guys are a little bit dependent on those distant shots because they haven't always been getting to the center of the ice. And then, like you pointed out, when they do get to the center of the ice, you know, they've struggled to finish those ones uh, at, at times this year as well. So it may be as well that they're not creating as much quality as they need to. Well, I, I, you know, I think it's a it's a well-made point. And, I mean, the best example of that was the game on Sunday night against the Rangers. I mean, they had... I don't know what the breakdown was of the 46 shots that were on Shesterkin, but, um, you know, they tried to get to the net. The Rangers did a pretty good job of allowing Shesterkin to see the pucks. And, you know, when you've got a guy playing at the level that he has been all season long, um, you know, if you're not making life miserable for him, he's going to, well, do exactly what he did, make 45 of 46 saves and walk out with a win. And, um, you know, I think it all is is part of, you know, what Dave Lowry, and I mean, I'm sure Paul Maurice was hammering this as well. I mean, you know, this is not rocket science. I mean, we know where goals are scored. Um, you know, we know what you have to do to, you know, give yourself a better chance to beat elite NHL goaltending. And at times the Jets hadn't been able to do that. Um, and the weird thing was last night, there was some of that. I mean, with some of the goals that were scored in close, um, but maybe more impressively last night, and maybe this goes to Tampa having a little bit of an off night defensively, was, as I mentioned before, I mean, the Jets taking the space that was available to them and creating more high-danger chances than I think we've seen on average so far with similar opportunities this year. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the Jets did so well in their offensive opportunities last night. 
in creating space, moving the puck to the top of the zone, and then exploiting it down low. And I think, and I mean, a lot of this comes from Mark Scheifele saying so after the game as well, but I think that an important piece in that is that it wasn't just defensemen firing shots into shin pads from far away. It was them jumping into lane. I mean, Nate Schmidt um, setting up uh, setting up Logan Stanley's shot, I think it was as well. I mean, he makes a nice play at the wall. Logan Stanley getting a shot that goes through. Um, he takes so many shot attempts. A lot of them hit shin pads and go the other way. Some of them do great things. And he was getting his shots through last night. Neil Pionk as well. And I think that there's, I mean, Josh Morrissey as well. I think that the difference in a lot of that is how aggressive those defensemen are willing to be um, to jump into spaces, to jump into lanes that create a, a higher likelihood that they're actually going to get the shot through. Because a shot into a shin pad is a giveaway. I don't, I don't really value that as a shot. But a shot that gets through helps create. And a defenseman that's willing to jump into space and a forward that has the vision to find them there and see them there, I think that the Jets were really connected in that way against Tampa Bay. And, um, I mean, Shifley said he'd like to see more of it. I think if you do see more of it, you'll see more offense as well. Yeah, well, we'll have another opportunity to get back at it tomorrow against the New Jersey Devils and the New York Islanders and then uh, St. Louis, <laughs> which is a team that, frankly, for my money, has probably brought out the best in the Winnipeg Jets so far this season, um, up, up until this point, at least. Uh, Marat, there was... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what to say. There were some interesting reactions, myself included, when we heard Blake Wheeler refer to, uh, went back to playing the hits, as uh, I described to Michael Remus, and, you know, dropped the we're a young team um, line a little earlier this week. Um, yeah, there were some eyes rolled, but, I mean, you sort of dug into that. And, I mean, the highlight, you know, the the the, the point on your thing is that the age of the Winnipeg Jets isn't an excuse I mean, the more and more you dug into it, I mean, just actually checking out the age of players and how young this team is, it made even less sense after going into it, the comment that uh, the captain originally made. Yeah, this is one of the older teams that Blake Wheeler has been a part of in recent Jets history. So, I mean, if you just pick apart the numbers of the average age of a team this year, last year, 2017-18, when they went on their deep playoff run, I mean, the Jets are getting older. The, the Jets aren't a particularly young team, and maybe... Maybe they're, they're stars in Kyle Connor, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Nick Ehlers, you know, Connor Hellebuck's even in his late 20s. But maybe their stars offensively are youthful players. Pierre-Luc Dubois is one of the youngest uh, on, on the team, depending on who's dressed on a given night, and he's really driven the bus a lot. Maybe that lends a thought that the Jets feel young. Maybe Wheeler looking around and seeing everybody younger than it. You know, I don't need to nitpick why he, he might say that. But the fact of the matter is, the Jets are older than they've been recently. They were a younger team in their better years than they are now. And they were uniquely lucky that they were a young team because Patrick Laine, Kyle Connor, Nick Ehlers, Josh Morrissey, Jacob Truba, Connor Hellebuck, even a 24-year-old Mark Shifley, all these guys, because of their youth and where they were at in terms of their production being up, their contracts not kicking in and being expensive yet, they were such a unique advantage for the Jets were so cap efficient. They were so dangerous offensively. They had so many guys closer to the primes of their career compared to, to now that I would say that that was strength for the Jets and not necessarily a weak. It takes Line-esque shooting, Connor-esque finishing, Ehlers-esque talent as well for the young guys to have that kind of an impact. You can't just plug in, let's say, a Christian Veselainen or a David Gustafson and expect those same kinds of results. But at the same time, youth has generally been a positive for the Winnipeg Jets and, and not something that holds them back uh, at, at any point. And look at the numbers. They're older now than they've been. 
Yeah, I know. I mean, I think you uh, did a great job of laying it out. I mean, the argument is that maybe the Jets could use to be a little bit younger and they've had more success when they have been a quote unquote younger team. Um, it was just something that caught. And listen, I think part of it, to be honest, Marat, is that, I mean, these are really tough questions for Blake Lee to answer. We know the sort of competitor that he is. And, you know, we know how disappointed that he must be um, and shouldering quite a bit of the blame. Um, but in the last couple times that, you know, he has met with the media, um, you know, listen, he's stood up there and he's taken the questions. Um, but like many people, I think, around the organization right now, there hasn't been great explanations for why the team is in the current predicament that they are. And uh, to me, it was uh, almost maybe just a reflex of uh, of an answer uh, without anything really substantial um, to come out and say to uh, the media and indirectly to the fan base. I would buy that. I think that one thing that gets lost sometimes, and you're, you're bang on, is I mean, when asked a question, you have to say something. You you absolutely have to. I mean, these guys generally play ball. They 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 attempt to give us something or answer a question in some particular way. I don't think there are a lot of answers about the Jets season. They have more or less been an average or pretty good team at different times, but certainly that's not reflected in the standings. Um, they found creative ways to to manage the puck poorly and lose uh, more than perhaps you'd expect that they would. And, you know, Blake Wheeler has honestly said a few times of late that he doesn't know. So perhaps, yeah, maybe it's just a reflex and we don't need to write thousand word essays on the topic. But just we've heard it so much, right? We've heard it so much and you could demonstrate that it's not really quite the case. So let's just put that one aside and then maybe focus on on um, on the more important truths in front of the Jets, perhaps. Well, one other question that I still can't really understand with a goaltender like Connor Hellebuck, who albeit might not be playing at his Vesna level, but is still pretty damn good. And the players on the Winnipeg Jets and their ability to score historically is how in the world this team is three and 10 in three on three overtime and shootouts this year. Do you have any thoughts on that? Or is this just, is the nature of three on three and shootouts somewhat of a coin flip? And um, it's a bit of an aberration in the wrong way for a team that's been historically very good after 60 minutes. Yeah, you know, ever since it was like towards the end of 2017-18, ever since the Jets sort of did what everybody else was doing and they didn't force the zone, they were willing to take the puck back into their own zone, um, you know, and play a possession game, holding on to the puck even in other areas of the ice as, as opposed to trying to force a forecheck. Um, as soon as they started playing that game, they've been great at, in, in overtime. And when Paul Maurice was rolling three forwards, they were tremendous. There's so much skill, uh, even now on the Winnipeg Jets team. So, you know, I have room for them needing to be better at overtime, to be sure. It is kind of a 50-50 sort of, um, you know, it is a coin flip, close to a coin flip mathematically. And when you flip a coin, sometimes, sometimes you roll tails 10 times in a row or 7 out of 10 times or whatever. I do think that the Jets could just put their thumb on the scale a little bit in their favor by moving away from the the old guard, such as Blake Wheeler in those sorts of regards and focusing more on the speed of a Nick Ehlers, who's, you know, in his one overtime since returning from injury was the third unit rotation on that. And I think speed kills in overtime and Nick Ehlers can finish as well and make plays as well. I think that as, so I think two things are true from my point of view. One is that perhaps they've been a little bit unfortunate, but I don't think that they're doing everything in their power to uh, to win because I think that I, I that I've never really choked on words as much as I did <laughs> in this before. Come on, um, 
I guess my point is speed kills, and I think more Ehlers, more Connor, more Dupont, and those sorts of things are probably going to help the Jets a little bit more, too. Well, and you know what? And Dave Lowry has not. I mean, I think Paul Maurice did get some deserved kudos last season when he started going with, um, you know, the three forwards. And, you know, it certainly bore fruit for the Winnipeg Jets. That hasn't been something we've seen this year very much, certainly under Dave Lowry. And, you know, and he he spoke to a number of reasons uh, for that. But, uh, I mean, I was just thinking about the game in Dallas. I mean, Naples Hugo is out early on. I mean, Josh Morrissey's out there logging some pretty big minutes in OT. I mean, he finished with over 31. I mean, that's taxing. And when you've had that much, um, the odometers hit that much for the uh, for the trip of a game, um, it certainly does make it difficult to continue to play, uh, you know, in a three-on-three game where even one step could be the difference in a grade-A chance that goes in your net or getting the puck back and it going the other way. 100%. I agree with that. And in Morrissey's case, of those kinds of minutes, to be sure. But even, you know, not to pick on Blake Wheeler, who is playing some pretty good hockey right now, but if you look at that Dallas goal in overtime, Blake Wheeler's trying to get on his horse and get back. There's one stutter step he makes right as the puck's transitioning towards Winnipeg's end, where it's kind of like a realization that, oh, crap, this is going to be a dangerous chance. And you can watch the clip where he sort of is gliding for a second, then realizes, then goes. And I don't expect any player to catch up from that nece- from that position necessarily. But that's one of those moments where I think, again, you'd look for a player with more speed to be on the ice in that situation. Or, I mean, just the, to, to get off the ice as well at that point. But I, I think that that was a situation where a little bit more speed and a little bit fresher legs could have done the Jets in favor. Uh, what other interesting piece of the uh, Jets by the Numbers um, article that you can read at The Athletic is on Connor Hellebuck. And, you know, I, I really agree with your assessment. I mean, you know, he has had a down year, but the bar was raised very, very high. We know how important he's been to this team's success. Uh, but for the folks that are suggesting that he is the root cause of this, uh, I certainly disagree with that. When you dug into the numbers, what does it tell us about Connor Hellebuck's season to this point from you, Murat? Yeah, I mean, when a team underperforms, Lots of different areas have a piece of it. The idea that it's all Connor Hellebuck or that Connor Hellebuck's been giving away these wins or what have you is really just not quite supportive. He hasn't been great. He's not in the top 10 in you know, the most important goaltending stats. They percentage goals saved above expectation or above average as well. He's not having that season. And that is, uh, that is an important, real truth. We're used to him stealing games. On the other hand, He's not having a horrible season either. By other goaltending standards, he's just kind of in the you know 18 to 22 range amongst NHL starters. You expect more than that. You expect better than that from Connor Hellebuck. You might even believe that if he were better rested, you'd get more than that. It's just, I think the important thing in the Connor Hellebuck discussion is enough nuance to recognize that he has not been elite or great this season, uh, but he is not having a horrible season by NHL starter standards. Um, If you look at the Winnipeg Jets defensive zone and where the Jets give up their chances from, it's still a huge pile of red in front of Connor Hellebuck's net. He has a lot to deal with. And even if he's not having an elite season against that, you know, compared to the quality he's facing, he's still having a pretty good one. Uh, And I think folks are perhaps putting a little bit too much of the blame on him because of how highlight reel some of those goals against him have been or some of the giveaways made this. But, well, and you mentioned the workload as well. I mean, the one thing that stands out, and you got that piece from Micah Blake McCurdy that said, uh, sure, Sturkin's running away with the Vesna. Also, the Jets are trying to kill Connor Hellebuck. I mean, the amount that he has played this year, 
um, the amount of pucks that he's seen, the 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 load that he has shouldered, um, is not anything new. But I think it's even more extreme this year because of the unproven nature of Eric Comrie coming in. Although Eric Comrie's done his job when he's had the opportunity to, to do it, but also um, Marat, I, I think it speaks to just how this desperate situation the Jets have been in for the better part of the last two, three months, basically ever since Dave Lowry took over, knowing how important all these points are and and really feeling that each and every night, 37 is the guy that gives you the best chance to come away with two. Yeah, I and mean, history says that he is. Credit to Eric Comrie for having a really excellent year. We talked about the very realistic doubts facing Eric Comrie heading into this season and wondered what kind of year he would have. He's had a very good one, and I think the Jets could go to him more than they've been. Connor Hellebuck's workload is really quite extreme. But history says he's the guy, and I think he's earned that. If you look at where the shots he's facing come from, I think that he's earned a little bit of of patience with respect to that as well. It's also true that had he been stealing games, Winnipeg would be in a better situation, and we've seen him steal games before. Talk about two or three months. Talk about the last few years. When Winnipeg was getting shelled nightly, buried in its own zone nightly, and Connor Halibut was holding the fort, winning them games, keeping them in qualification round status, keeping them in playoff status, depending on what year it was, you know, that could have been a whole lot worse if we were getting this version of Connor Halibut too. And there, I don't know that we fully acknowledge just how, I mean, I voted him for heart, so I'm, I'm going to pat myself on the back. I don't think we acknowledged just how severe even a little bit of goaltending struggles could impact the team. The Jets have been better, but he has not been this year. And and certainly, um, had he been, the Jets would be in a little bit better of a spot. But I, I can't possibly bring myself to blame him for the entirety of Winnipeg. Struggles. No, with you on that. Hey, quickly on the way out, uh, what are you looking at? And, uh, what, uh, what will you be paying close attention to uh, in this uh, quick three-game road trip out east? Well, for me, it's about Winnipeg imposing its game by activating its defensemen. Like I said, not a lot of Kale McCars on the Winnipeg Jets team, but when they activate and they create a little extra wave of danger in the offensive zone, Winnipeg's forwards did a great job of finding them against Tampa Bay. Winnipeg exploited space against Tampa Bay. If they can do that against um, these teams on the road trip, they'll create more chances and give themselves a solid chance to to snag some points and, and give themselves a little bit of confidence. Marat, thanks so much. Great to hear you're feeling better, and we'll look forward to seeing you back in the peg real soon. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Appreciate it. At WPG Marat, there's Marat Atesh, and make sure you're reading all of his fine work over in the pages and the website, of course, of The Athletic. All right, Andy Max coming up in just a second. Quickly do need to get to a little Princess Auto curling update because the briar is well underway, and we're coming off the morning draw. Big win for Brendan Botcher over Maddie Dunstone, Dunstone's first loss of the event. They go to six and one. And Botcher, who um, you know probably was slept on a little bit coming into this event right now, six and zero, oh, clearly undefeated at the top of Pool A. Kevin Cooey, five and one, and a Saskatchewan still with the hope of getting into that top three at four and two. Down in Pool B, Brad Gushu continues to lead the way, five and zero oh, through his five games. Big win over Manitoba and Mike McEwen's rink last night. Brad Jacobs is at 5-1. And, and Jason Gunlickson right now has the inside track on that third playoff spot at 4-2. and two. McEwen and Nova Scotia both at 3-2 and two so far. Uh, this afternoon's games, 
Let's just get a quick look. Saskatchewan, excuse me, that is Saskatchewan in the Yukon. This is this afternoon's draw. McEwen going up against Jacobs should be a heck of a tilt. Nova Scotia and Gushu. Gunlickson's taking on Nunavut. That should be a W for uh, the wildcard team from Manitoba and BC and Quebec. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of Team Mike McEwen and, of course, Team Jennifer Jones. And the place where you'll find the best selection and the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is over at Princess Auto. Two local locations, pop down and see them or shop online 24-7, 365 over at princessauto.com. Uh, big cheers to our friends over at Little Brown Jug. If you're looking for the best beer in the city, locally made right here, you're going to want to head down to Little Brown Jug on William Avenue, get into those 1919s, maybe try that Brute IPA, and especially the very popular Little Brown Jug Double, or try a bunch of Little Brown Jug favorites with the Winter Variety Pack right now available there at your local beer store or at your Manitoba Liquor Marts. And of course, if you're uh, not getting out very much and you do need a delivery. Little Brown Jug does deliver citywide Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. So get on over to littlebrownjug.ca. Make your order and uh, wait for it to show up and crack a couple cold Little Brown Jugs. And hey, a big shout out to our friends at Boston Pizza. BP City Place was rocking last night before and after the game. A lot of happy Jets fans after the game. Of course, if you're downtown, you can hit up BP before and after every Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose game. Or if you're not going to the game, hit your local Boston Pizza Get those delicious Boston's Wings, gourmet pizzas, ice-cold schooners, and more. And, of course, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, we're going to move away from hockey for a few minutes and get into the National Football League because yesterday was a wild day in the NFL. We've had another big QB move today, and few individuals we enjoy having on the program more than Mr. Energy himself, Andy McNamara, who... Uh, is sporting his woke up feeling dangerous shirt today. And uh, he's always dangerous when he's on WST. What's good, pal? How are you? I'm good, Huss. How are you, brother? Yeah, I got my Baker Mayfield. I won't tell you how much I spent for this shirt. It's embarrassing. Woke up feeling dangerous. See, see, it's clever. It's wordplay, Huss. There's a, a six instead of a G. You see, it's uh, you know, clever. It's <laughs> very, very clever. I'm sure you... <laughs> Probably had it for about two months before that clicked in on you. Um, I, I, jo I joke, of course. Um, hey, let's get to it. First things first, um, Aaron Rodgers staying with the Packers. Now, nothing is drama-free with Rodgers. Of course, it was reported that he signed this $200 million contract. He tweets out later on, oh, that's not the case. Uh, but whatever has happened, he's back in Green Bay and has allowed the Packers to put the franchise tag on Devontae Adams Pretty darn good day for the Cheeseheads yesterday with the guy that really is the franchise. Well, that's it. And the Packers, I think, chose wisely because all this talk, has to wait. whenever people say, oh, quarterback A, you should go to somewhere else, you have to think about the place that they're leaving and if that would make sense. For the Packers, it would make zero sense. It makes no sense. And for Aaron Rodgers to go to where he was rumored, to Denver, makes less sense because then you're playing – Mahomes and Herbert uh, all year and, you know, sprinkling some Derek Carr. So that didn't make sense. Now you're in a safe place that, you know, you can walk, you can stroll to a division title. Huss. You can stroll easily. You have Devontae Adams. It looks like what the Packers are going to do is just simply run it back for the draft. They actually do something. 
something sensible, not that precious capital like Jordan Love. What are you doing with Jordan Love, by the way? That first round pick with splinters in his butt. What are you doing with that? What are you doing with, with, with that, that, that blocking tight end you got a couple years ago? Draft correctly, and you can go to the Super Bowl mm. because Russell Wilson is one QB now who's out of the NFC over to the AFC, and Tom Brady's retired. No excuses for them to at least not get to a conference championship. <laughs> No, you you know you're so right, and honestly, I mean, now that you know this has happened and Rogers is sticking around, uh, presumably till the end of his career, it just makes that selection of love even more indefensible. Uh, yeah, and, and to think, and I we talked about this yesterday, but to think that Justin Jefferson was available, oh. then gets selected by their arch rival Minnesota Vikings. I mean, can you imagine how lethal that team would be with Devonte Adams and Justin Jefferson on a rookie contract for the last Ridiculous. number of years? ridiculous and here's the thing they can get back there this is again a super deep wide receiver class you can get a stud if you're green bay if not the first round into the second round and it's a it's a a a buffet really has of what type of wide receiver do you like you want one of the ohio state guys who's six feet under 190 pounds run like the wind you want a big boy like drake london six five how about some Christian Watson, that's my guy. Combine crush. Every year I got my combine crush house. You know this. Christian Watson and Drake London are my two receivers. Six four, guy can catch anything. Huge hands and runs a four uh, under a four four forty yard dash. It's it's ridiculous. You can get one of those types of players. Pair him with Adams with a great backfield and go for it. But it all depends to me. Can the Packers front office get out of their own way? That's what we have to wait and see. <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe Rogers, uh, maybe part of the deal is he gets to make the first round selection. He should. I, Why not? I, I, I wouldn't put it past him. Um, Andy, of course, the blockbuster yesterday was Russell Wilson, as you mentioned, moving from Seattle to Denver. Um, yeah. How surprised were you, that, first of all, that that move was made? Um, and what did you think of the return that Seattle got? And what does this mean for the Seahawks going forward? I mean, is it Drew Locke and Geno Smith time in the Pacific oh. Northwest? <laughs> hey, you know what? Hey, Hustler, this is what I love, too. Remember how many fake Seattle Seahawks fans there were, right? When Oh, I always loved the Seahawks when Russell Wilson came and they were going to Super Bowls. Liar. Never. No. There's no, there's no, you know, here in Seattle, there's no Seahawks fans. Now, you're going to be cheering for Drew Locke with your cute neon green jerseys and looking all spot. No. This is what I think happens with this deal. Drew Locke could be a placeholder, perhaps. You know, he ran a little bit at the end of last year. Okay. Um, the Seattle Seahawks must be in love with a quarterback in this draft. Only explanation. You now have the draft capital that you acquired that you could use to stay at nine, bundle something else together to maybe move up. Now, to me, if I'm looking at this draft class, I don't feel that there is that guy that you can say, okay, I want to go get that Joe Burrow, you know, that, that Pat Mahomes. And at the time, even remember, Pat Mahomes wasn't Pat Mahomes. Right. It was there's not that guy to me, but I have to believe that for the Seahawks, there is. Is it Kenny Pickett in his carnival small hands? Like, I don't know. Is it that? Is it- He's small hands guy. Eh? He's really, you know, it's tough. It's tough to, you know, really make it in the National Football right. League without massive, massive hands. That is the right. funniest narrative every so year. Funny? Uh, we're sure about this guy. I mean, hey, yeah, he completes eighty-five percent of his passes, but uh, doesn't have huge hands. Yeah, like come on, come on now. But but uh, that that's that's what I'm thinking. There has to be a guy that they absolutely love and are going to take. Because you cannot tell me. 
that you are going to go with Drew Locke and Geno Smith as your options. That's ridiculous. Unless you're going to completely blow that team up and rebuild and try to tank it for next year. Well, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if that potentially happens. Uh, because, of course, I mean, you think about it. I mean, they traded those picks for Jamal Adams. Yep. Now they're getting these picks back in, you know, in a very difficult di- division where certainly on paper, they're probably fourth out of four teams. And right now, you know, and if they do that, I mean, listen, if you if you want to pick really high in the draft, I got a great way to do that. Start your season with the quarterback tandem of Drew Locke and Geno oh. Smith. I mean, if they wanted to it, they certainly will do it because you're right. This oh. isn't really the year to be picking the quarterback. I, I, to be honest, I sort of likened it to, you know, about a decade ago when the Chiefs had that miserable, what was it, one in 15 or two in 14 season, ended up picking first overall, had a big quarterback need. And there wasn't any quarterbacks and they ended up taking Eric Fisher first overall. And, right. you know, and then of course ended up getting Alex Smith and, you know, starting, you know, the Ascension, of course, that, you know, that really began when Andy Reid came by. Um, but at the timing isn't great for the Seahawks when it comes to this particular season. And I have a feeling this might be part of a bigger plan for them moving into next year with better quarterback talent in the draft and um, being poised with multiple first round picks. And I also have to wonder, though, Huss, you got Pete Carroll. And, and for as great as he looks, like you find me a better looking 71 year old than Pete Carroll, you're not going to do it. Right. But at 71, is this guy interested in a rebuild? I, I would, I would just, I would think no. Um, and if you look at it also from a fantasy football side, this absolutely dropped as the season stands right now. As it stands right now, if the season were to start, it tanks DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. For dynasty owners, for all that, don't trade them yet. Don't panic trade. You're, you're trading at the lowest possible value. Because um, those guys right now, to go from Russell Wilson to Drew Locke and Geno Smith, oof, that hurts. It, it, it is. And, of course, DK, one of your famous prior combine oh, crushes, and we went DK. back at it about DK. He's turned out to be pretty good. You were right on that one. I'll, I'll give you that. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, and I do, I mean, but listen, part of this is, I mean, as long as Pete Carroll's there, I mean, you got to think that he's in the room when they're deciding whether or not they're going to trade Russell Wilson. And right. um, it is somewhat stunning that they've moved on from him. And, you know, from Denver's perspective, you know, they're in a tough neighborhood in the AFC. And, and I joked to some Bronco fans last night, they were giving it to me. I said, oh, this is maybe good enough for them to go nine and seven. And uh, they said, oh, I can't believe you said that. And I said, you know what, listen, you're right. I apologize. I forgot about the 17th game, nine and eight. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, you can make an argument that they've made this massive trade, traded all that capital and went from having the fourth best quarterback in the division to the third best quarterback in the division. Yes. Uh, and of course, you know, the trade away, a solid defensive player and Noah Fant, two first, two seconds. I mean, it's a huge swing for the fences by John Elway and the Denver Broncos. And for a guy that was so great at the quarterback position, he sure has stunk at identifying Oof. solid quarterbacks. And I think that was why they had to go all in on this, uh, especially as they're planning on selling the team. There is so much pressure on Russell Wilson. Oh, yeah. Well, let's look at the team standpoint. Uh, now, listen, you can sell a horrific NFL team and you're still going to get, what, almost $2 billion. So we're not yeah. crying poor here. <laughs> but marketing-wise, looks a whole lot better to have Super Bowl champ Russell Wilson as your QB than Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. But when we look at this whole this team as a whole, I look at it, and to your point exactly, John Elway and that front office cannot draft a quarterback. They can't do it. Drew Locke hated the pick when they made it. Remember Paxton Lynch? Ugh. Yeah, he's Horrible. like a third stringer on the Riders. Yes, 
He's a terrible, terrible draft picks. So what do they do? Well, we don't know how to pick him. At least it's like the lotto. Know your limit, play within it. John Elway has finally known his limit, and he's playing within it. He needs to buy. He needs to buy quarterbacks. So he did. And I have to say, when you look at the Broncos' offense, when healthy, my goodness, Jerry, Judy, Cortland, Sutton, you got Hamler out of the slot. You released Deshaun Hamilton, who I like, but he had the ACL. Javante Williams, you're probably going to get rid of Melvin Gordon because of the cap hit. But Javante Williams looks like a stud. You can get another tight end slide in there. Uh, this offense is, I really like. I think it can now be explosive with Russell Wilson. The defense, with a couple of additions here and there, can get back to being very good. So it's probably a case where if they were in any other division just about, you would say the Broncos could win it. But in this case, you're right. You're probably still looking at third and hoping you get a wild card mm-hmm. spot. Yeah, that being said, the Chargers, we've talked about the Chargers for a long time. And on paper, they are as talented as most teams in the National Football League. Um, But for whatever reason, they just don't get it done. I mean, I was really high on their defense. The defense ended up being the Achilles heel for them last year. And that's one of those teams where you'd never really understand. And of course, the Raiders are in a very unique situation considering everything that happened last year and, you know, credit to the way the Raiders played, you know, to make the playoffs and to do what they did, but they're still, you know, probably a distant fourth right now after yesterday's trade in the, uh, in the AFC West. Andy McNamara is with us. Hey, just one more thing on Denver before we move on to the deal today. Um, You mentioned the fantasy aspect and how this is killing the value of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett um, and potentially Noah Fant as well. Um, Yeah. The exact opposite for Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. And uh, you saw those tweets from Judy. He was getting pretty horny thinking about uh, catching passes from Russell Wilson next year, considering what he's had to work with so far in his NFL career. Man. No, you're right. Um, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. Let's take them both at full health. With Russell Wilson? (laughs) Come on. This This is amazing. This is fantasy gold. You jack those guys up at the very least. Um, now, we, we're going to have to see how it develops a little bit. I would put at least on my fantasy team as like the highest end WR2s with upside for WR1 production right away just with that Russell Wilson move. And we have to remember, too, Russell Wilson's only 32 years old. He knows how to win, and he's durable. That finger injury was a fluke. That's not like he's got bad knees or ankles or whatever. It's a busted finger. It, it depends out. He's, he's fine. Russell Wilson's going to be fine, and he's durable, and he's smart. So. Those guys right there. And then you mix in the uh, Javante Williams aspect, especially if he's a standalone lead back with how rare it is to get that true RB1 development and production for for your fantasy team. If Javante Williams, if this backfield is left to him with Russell Wilson in, uh, you're looking at a guy, Javante Williams, who's draft stock. That dude just probably jumped up to the first round. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, Andy, uh, another quarterback move today. Yeah. Not quite as sexy as the uh, Seahawks-Broncos trade yesterday uh, because the bloom has come off the rose of the former NDSU star and number two overall pick Carson Wentz. Um, things ended very, very poorly in Indy last year, and he is now on his way to the WFT. Excuse me, the Washington Commanders. Commanders. As, there's, uh, as their new quarterback. I still wish they stayed with WFT, personally. Yeah. Um, what is it, a couple third-round picks? I mean... Is this just a very desperate Washington team doing whatever they could on a pretty lean quarterback market to make a, to make a move? And and what does this say about where Indy goes from here? Because that roster is pretty damn good. It is pretty damn good. And uh, it yeah, the, uh, 2022, I'm just reading here, 2022, 2023, third round picks. But 
the 2023 third rounder becomes a second round pick if Wentz plays 70% of the snap. So you, you could get all things go well, a second and a third. Um, for Washington, what did we say all last year? It was you need consistent quarterback play with a defense that boasted what five first round picks, you know, really still Terry McLaurin's been grossly underused. You had Logan Thomas at tight end before he got injured, who was great. Yeah, Curtis Samuel floating Antonio Gibson. My goodness. Now you have Carson Wentz, who we saw. Now, the end of the year was a disaster. But he went on a stretch where he was playing very consistent and, and complimentary football. He wasn't turning the ball over. He was giving you two touchdowns, no interceptions for about, I think it was about eight weeks in a row. So the big ifs, though, are, of course, the health. He had somehow two injured ankles. I still don't know how you injure both your ankles at the same time. That's weird. But <laughs> <laughs> But if he stays healthy, he is good enough to be able to feed and distribute the football better than a Taylor Heineke. Um, the question is, if he doesn't, which it's been a problem, then you're right back to where you were. But for Washington, I guess you got to apply to, okay, you weren't getting Rodgers. Wilson got traded. Where else are you going? Would you rather Carson Wentz or Jimmy Garoppolo, for example, or Derek Carr? Derek Carr might not be for sale. And out of the two, I think I would go with Carson Wentz just with his overall athleticism that's a bit better than Jimmy G. Yeah, well, it's interesting. And I, I had to laugh. I mean, the all-pro linebacker Darius Leonard tweeted out yesterday or earlier today. Here we go again. About to be five years with the Colts and five different QBs. Thank you, Carson, for everything this year, my guy. I wish you nothing but the best. Wow. Um, Sam Ellinger and James Morgan are the two quarterbacks on the Indianapolis Colts roster. Um, where did they go from here? They couldn't possibly go in to next season with those two guys, and that's it. So, Hustler, this is a three-team situation that are the teams that are in the same situation to me. The Colts, the Seahawks, and the Buccaneers. Look at the quarterbacks on all three of those teams. Oh, let, let, me, let me add in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah no, no. I know, I know no. you like that, Mr. They're going to stay with Mason Rudolph. He's the future? It's He's oh, the he's the future, has please, <laughs> with his big fat square head, and I'll go. I'll go with Miles Garrett. I'll smack him with a helmet too. That guy, good lord, yeah. Stay with Mason Pittsburgh. You got it figured out. Please, please do that. <laughs> Let's go do that. I think they're probably going to draft the QB, the Steelers, somewhere, and you know, we'll see. Hopefully, they stink. Feed in twenty years, they suck like my team has. But for the, but for those other clubs, you look at 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 the uh, Indy. You just listed off the quarterbacks. You look at Tampa Bay. Why would you franchise take Chris Godwin if you were going to go with Blaine Gabbert and Kyle Trask? Stop it. Impossible. Bruce Arians, just like he's almost 70 if he's not 70. And then we talked about Seattle with 71-year-old Pete Carroll. Those are three teams who have, unless you plan on bottoming out, and the only one that seems like it could be a case is, like we said, for Seattle, maybe if they do some tweaking. Tampa Bay's not tanking. Uh, Indy is built for right now. So what's going to give in a draft where you don't necessarily have a sure thing and you're going to have to trade up substantially to get a guy that you like? Jimmy Garoppolo, he's got to go somewhere. Uh, like we said, Derek Carr. Well, who else? Right? Well, like, one what guy, else do you do? What, one guy that was just brought up in the chat, and we'll kind of touch on the Saints as well. I mean, of course, Sean Payton's gone. Uh, but Jameis Winston, who is uh, Jameis Winston. The, I mean, the Mr. Thirty, Mr. Thirty Thirty, the old uh, the old risk and reward um, of of Jameis. 
Um, But those sort of teams that don't have quarterbacks or are in iffy quarterback situations, I mean, to your point, there are teams, and I think of the Saints in the same sort of category of like an elite defense. We remember what they did to Tom Brady last year. Yeah. Um, But, you know, they haven't had any consistent quarterback play. Jameis got hurt. Taysom Hill certainly isn't the answer. And um, bottom line is you don't really have a seat at the table if you don't have an NFL legit quarterback, at least middle of the pack. And uh, none of those teams we just mentioned are in that case. Carolina Panthers, too. Do you keep Sam Darnold? Right. And and what does this do for those other guys? I've been seeing a lot of stuff of people. All of a sudden, Mitch Trubisky is a great quarterback. Huss, did you know this? Yeah, the did Giants are the Giants are all hot for Trubisky. They love him. They, apparently, there's going to be bidding wars for Mitchell Trubisky. Right? He's the next Tannehill. He, I, listen, I, I like that he was too raw coming out of college. I still like the skills. I hope he does. Seems like a good good guy to to turn it around. But Mitchell Trubisky is going to get a lot of money. Marcus Mariota's on the market. Like people are going to be paying big money to try to get these washed up guys or previous starters who are busts. And then you have to hope and Hus, we know in sports, if your whole plan is crossing your fingers and hoping and saying, if, if, if you make too many, if statements, you get nothing. And that's what I see for a lot of these teams. Cause there is in this draft class, there are some quarterbacks I like, like I love Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati. I think he should probably sit a year, you know, pickets to me, a Derek Carr ceiling with maybe a, a Mac Jones type, but more mobile, be fine, but he's not going to take you necessarily to the promised land. You have a whole bunch of ifs. Like, there are just so many questions. I'm fascinated. We are not done by a long shot with this quarterback carousel. No, there's no doubt about it. And we'll definitely have to get you back on and uh, talk a little more draft. And uh, yes. really, this is going to be a real interesting month. Lots going on around the offseason. Andy, just before we go, let people know where they can catch you and uh, the content you're doing, uh, in addition to at AndyMC81. Yes. Well, we got the fantasy show on Sportsnet every Sunday. We're actually, we're starting up a wrestling league, a little AEW. I'll tell you about that offline. Yeah. Ooh. A little our, our pals at dropthebelt.com. Really cool fantasy wrestling site. Pickums dailies. Really, really cool stuff. Fantasy and, wrestling? Dude, dropthebelt.com. I'm not kidding you guys. I'm in. I'm in. I'm not kidding you. I don't need any, I don't need any more information. Read the, like, the stuff they have, like the rule book stuff, it, it blew my mind. It's amazing. We'll talk, you know what? We'll talk about more of that another, another time. Um, and the other thing, too, for our UFF sports, we have an NFL draft, and I'm opening it up to the public today, NFL draft party package in Las Vegas with our partners at the Circa Casino and Resort Stadium Swim VIP NFL draft party. You guys can come from uh, Winnipeg Sports. All the, all the listeners, you can come. And there's the Legacy Club Stadium swim, so we've got a big party. I'll tweet out and I'll tag uh, you guys. So you can You're going to be it. there. You're going to be there. Oh, oh yeah, man, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there live oh. during the draft. Okay, listen, we'll reconnect off air. I need more details on yes. uh, on everything you just dropped on us, <laughs> Andy. Always great having you on the program. Let's do this again real soon, pal. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. See ya. There he is, the one and only Andy MC81. Hey, shout out to T Kona Polly. Thanks very much for the super chat, the membership, T Kona. Cheers to another year. Cheers to you, my friend. I raise a 1919 to you and uh, all the amazing support we've had over the last couple days. All right, we're going to get Remus back in here. Speaking of support, big shout out to our friends at the Nick and Nikki DQ. Congrats to Tyson, who won that delicious DQ ice cream cake yesterday in our impromptu marble race. We'll have uh, at least another one on Friday when we uh, finish up the weekend or the week, excuse me, on Winnipeg Sports Talk, our first week of year two. 
with another marble race. Of course, the incredible new stack burgers are available right now at your favorite Dairy Queen. And of course, the Nick and Nicky DQ have four to serve you. The DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Get on out there, try those new stack burgers. You might want to squeeze in one of those red velvet blizzards, which people are loving these days. And of course, if you do need a DQ ice cream cake for a party, gathering, or event, you can pop by any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. Or if you'd like to get a custom made, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll get it ready for you to pick up quick and easy at your local Nick and Nicky DQ. And yes, our friends at Canadian Club have been so kind to help us with some great pricing for our marble races and more. And uh, they're pretty fired up because later on this month, the new Canadian Club and Ginger Ale pre-mixed drink will be released at Manitoba Liquor Marts in a six-pack of cans. As Remus said, you know, actually mixing drinks is uh, so unnecessary these days. Uh, we go with the RTD, the ready-to-drink cans of Canadian Club and Ginger. Um, and, of course, still sale prices right now on CC Original 1140s, CC Classic 12 years 750s, all month long at Manitoba Liquor Marts and heading into April, there'll be CC displays in 26 Liquor Marts or when you get a bottle of CC, you'll be able to try for free a new can of the CC and Ginger. So big thanks to James and our friends over at Canadian Club. All right, we'll get to the cool bet lines in a moment, but let's get Michael Remus back in here. Uh, great stuff with O-Dog today. Uh, Murat's always one of everyone's favorites and uh, I just get geeked when Andy comes on the program. I mean, I could really be talking to him about anything the energy that he consistently brings to this program when he joins it is what makes him one of my favorite guests to have on the show yeah i'm interested in this fantasy wrestling i saw a lot of people in chat their ears <laughs> perked up at that one i don't <laughs> no know how doubt. that works but i i'm listening i want to hear about it if only they had that like when i was a kid it would have been even better for wrestling so interesting yeah, no doubt about it. Um, I will get to the cool bet lines in just a minute, but um, let's get to first of all, how was your dinner last night? Uh, I know you had a uh, taking the wife out last night. What? Uh, where? Where did you go again? And what did you guys get down on? Oh, you. Well, I went to uh, what I went to the restaurant Nola. Shout out to uh, what Energy Twenty One. So I'm there. Said hello. So thank you very much. But uh, sampled a number of different things. What do you have? A uh, fried chicken. Uh, some other thing we had some Noki. I don't remember, but, uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was nice, nice to go. I don't know if you knew this, but the, uh, who Emily, who was on top chef Canada is the chef there. So I'm a fan of top chef. Speaking of fantasy, you can do fantasy top chef. Uh, this season just started Get as the well. Hell out of here. There's, there's fantasy top chef. Yeah. There's fan. You can just like, you kind of just like do a draft and you pick who you think is going to win. But, uh, yeah. So that was a cool experience for me. The stuff that we can play fantasy in now. Top Chef, AEW oh, wrestling. Ba Bachelor uh, fantasy. It's I'm, all there. I'm, I'm, here for, I'm here for all of it. Um, listen, we spent a lot of time talking about the game last night. Um, what happened on the ice. I do want to say, first off, shout out to the four women. I know it was uh, Stacey Natras, Beverly Wynn, Ashley Klimke, and I'm afraid I don't remember the fourth woman there, but they're all the different women that do the anthems at the Winnipeg Jet Games together, did a, a wonderful rendition of it to start things off. Very cool to see Carrie Anerson along with Brienne Mayer there at the game, and um, they were sort of celebrated, and everyone gave them a big good luck as they head out to the World Championships. 
But Remus, I was so fired up for this, and I'm not sure anyone who was at the game is with us in chat, but a new a, a new promo put together by uh, Balls and the Gang, The Speed of Light, which was a skating race. And um, the guy that came out as the first contestant was excellent. I think he did the two laps in about 33 seconds. He was pretty fast. But it was the debut of Jet, uh, who is, I guess, the Winnipeg Jets version sort of of the freeze from Atlanta. Uh, this guy was in a shiny blue suit with a wild helmet and absolutely killed it. I think he broke 27 seconds on the two laps right now. So uh, I hope we'll be seeing more of this. It was right at the beginning of the first intermission and uh, one of the cooler and more fun promos we've seen in a long time downtown. Yeah, I mean, Jets adding a couple of bells and whistles. They got that new on-ice projection this year, which I've been enjoying. So I'll have to come on down. I'm at the game... Uh, the Tuesday Vegas game I will be at. So that's, what is that, the next home game even? Or they yeah, want that to- is. And I guess that'll be the first game where we don't have to wear masks throughout the game. Um, I believe the 15th is that day. And I know that uh, the VAX requirement main- is maintained until the end of April. Uh, but, you know, it'll be up to up to fans whether they want to wear masks or not. And I know there's some people that are quite looking forward to not having to I, do that anymore. I do wonder um, if you'll see an attendance bump. Um, for for that, I think some some of it affects the play, but I I do wonder, and I am seeing, you know, other you know, other teams around the league struggling. I mean, the Leafs aren't selling out, and that's a team where you know tickets were way way up there. So, um, you know, I think it's something across sports we'll see. But I, we are kind of tracking the uh, the Jets' attendance, and it's definitely something to monitor. Yeah, no doubt. Schickster asking, was that a fair race? That kid was outmatched. I mean, I think the idea is that I think everyone's going to be outmatched against Jet. This guy absolutely can fly. So they'll be looking for the brightest, best, and fastest to uh, to go at it with Jet. And we'll uh, I'll do a little intel and find out whether that uh, promo was going to be back for next game. But uh, you mentioned the projection. I mean, that was one of the coolest things about it, what they were able to do with the rink while it was going on. Really, really cool visuals. Anyways, that was fun last night. And, uh, you know, a big part, there was a lot of neat things happening in and around the game. But the bottom line was Jet fans were rewarded with a very fun game and a big win for the Jets. Although we know there's many more that they need to string together if we're going to be talking about them barging back into the uh, into the playoff race. But a uh, pretty nice way to finish up this homestand and get her on the road for a back-to-back games in Jersey and Long Island. For sure, you're feeling good. You got, you know, an, I don't want to say an easy matchup, but you're not playing against, you know, the defending two-time cup champion on Thursday against New Jersey and uh, Friday at Long Island. So, I mean, we'll see. I think we've kind of close the book but we got to cling on to that seven percent chance of uh of making the playoffs here and look you win it goes up and i saw kenny's water bottle putting some numbers you know how many they have to win they have to win like 20 of the next 25 and just judging by the way the season has gone um that's not i mean not you know a high chance of that not happening but hey you never know you know maybe they do get on some uh crazy run now that they're all healthy well well you know know, we're gonna follow along I'm certainly here for the team winning a few games and uh, even if it's some false hope, I'm giving some hope to people and maybe getting a few more butts in the seats for the game against Vegas next week. And speaking of Vegas, I touched on this with O-Dog. Um, 
Vegas did something that very few teams outside the Winnipeg Jets have done in 2022, and that's lose to the Philadelphia Flyers in regulation, Remo. I mean, that's a game that Vegas absolutely had to have. I couldn't believe that they lost, scored only one goal last night, and, you know, man, it sure seems like they're missing Mark Stone right now. Yeah, they've had a lot of injuries. I know Pacioretty's been in and out, and I'm not sure if Jack Eichel's, like, really fit in there as quickly as, you know, he's coming off, like, he's coming off the big, you know, surgery. But he's fit in as, and producing points uh, right out of the bat. Now, in their last 10, what, they're 4 or 5 and 1. They're still third in the Pacific, although they've played, what, one more game than Edmonton here. So I still think, you know, because of that division, they're in a good spot, but they've definitely faltered a bit. And, um, you know, the, I, the Stone injury, I agree. They definitely missed, uh, missed Mark Stone. I mean, they're playing with, like, Jack Eichel's been playing with who? Chandler Stevenson and Evgeny Dadanov on their top line. But the, but the Carlson Smith Marchessault line, you know, which has been their top line, is kind of, you know, their second line. But maybe they get power power play ones. So maybe there's some identity stuff going on with you know, how Jack Eichel fits in. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, before we go, let's check the cool bet lines for this evening. Just two games in the National Hockey League tonight. The Edmonton Oilers are hosting the Caps. Caps with a big win last night in Calgary against the Flames. Um, so now it's the uh, Capitals' turn to be on back to back nights. They're a plus 110 underdog against the Oilers, who have lost three games in a row, minus 128 for the Oilers. And then an all-Canadian matchup out on the West Coast, the Montreal Canadiens, who have been playing a heck of a lot better over the past two, three weeks under Marty St. Louis, plus 180 underdog in Vancouver, who, like the Winnipeg Jets, has an uh, outside shot of the playoffs, needs to put together wins. They are a minus 213 favorite um just a quick update on the league champion the stanley cup odds right now over at cool bet colorado four to one favorite and the team we saw last night the tampa bay lightning along with the florida panthers eight to one uh the leafs always up there at the top of the list despite what history has told us nine to one and the calgary flames remo i remember when we were talking about getting them at what 25 to one about three weeks ago they are now down to 10 to 1. And I'll tell you what, that performance on Saturday night in their win against Colorado, I think, probably knocked that number down a little bit. I mean, this team is legit for real, despite the fact that they uh, lost last night that fourth, uh, 5 4 decision to Washington. Yeah, speaking of Washington, first of all, Calgary really coming on. And I think a lot of Jets fans are looking at Calgary, how they were such a disappointment last year and have come on strong this year. And you got a couple of things like your goalie. Uh, finding his form again, you know, he may sign a bottom, you know, or, you know, bottom, what, middle six forward, sorry, Blake Coleman, you know, you do some changes on defense, you get a new coach, bam, Calgary Flames, what, 10 and 1, Stanley Cup odds, uh, pretty wild, so uh, they did play Washington last night, we do have to give a shout out to Alex Ovechkin uh, in front of, you know, the getting booed by the Calgary crowd. Tied Yarmy Yager third on the all-time scoring list. Uh, what an incredible goal! Sorry, goal scoring list. What an incredible accomplishment for uh, Ovechkin. And I guess the watch is on us. How high can he climb on that all-time list? And the watch also will he be getting booed again tonight in Edmonton in that game? Yeah, you know it's interesting. I mean, uh, these are uh, strange times. I mean, Ovi's really been celebrated for the most part of his career, but you know, with everything going on overseas right now and his very close relationship with Vladimir Putin, um, a lot of people not too fond of uh, of Ovechkin right about I mean, now. That's, like his Instagram picture as of a couple of days ago was him and and yeah. Putin. Oh so. yeah, he hasn't changed it. 
I mean, there's no, no, not at all. I mean, it's uh, yeah. a bit of a head scratcher. Yeah. Um, hey, you can tell you Manitoba's up one nothing on Brad Jacobs in Northern Ontario over at the Briar. They do have live mm -hmm. betting on the feature television game. Uh, but tonight we've got four games. I'll probably tweet out a parlay a little later on. I've been hot lately. I hit the morning draw yesterday as well as the afternoon draw with what we gave out in the lock shop. I haven't played yet today, but we'll get something in. And uh, I'll tell you what, this matchup tonight between Alberta and Canada is certainly the feature matchup. Kevin Cooey in Alberta, minus 115. Brendan Botcher in Canada, minus 111. About as close to a pick'em as we've seen at all in the Briar. Um, Ontario is a big favorite against PEI. PEI has struggled. They're plus 850 underdogs. Saskatchewan, a massive minus 1667 favorite. And four and a half on the rock line against Newfoundland. And then Yukon and New Brunswick. So uh, really all eyes tonight in the evening draw on the Alberta-Canada game. Uh, we've also got draw 15 specials. And what do we got for the future? Ah, the Group A winner, Maddie Dunstone, plus 785. Canada and Brendan Botcher, minus 125. Alberta, plus 120. If you want to get on that, make sure you do it before they uh, they uh, do the first rock this evening. And if you do want to bet the Briar, NHL, or um, really anything else, get over to CoolBet. And if you haven't played there before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus up to $200 on your oh. first deposit. Sorry, I was I was changing the screen there. I did want to bring up um, Nick Schmaltz. Us. He had the franchise record, that is uh, Coyotes and Old Jets, just for the record, seven points the other night. But Arizona putting up nine yesterday against Detroit. Um, and Detroit was a huge favorite in that game. Yeah, but Nick, Detroit minus 185 at home. Like Steve Eiserman must have had a pretty uh, miserable drive home from the rink so, last night. That's just embarrassing. And by the way, uh, a shout out to Phil Kessel, who played the first shift of the game, then went fist, bump, fist bumped his teammates and left the rink. He played in the first shift to keep his uh, games played streak going, uh, and then was off for the uh, birth of his first child. So, oh, uh, okay. a little bit of little bit of double duty. Didn't want to didn't want to have the streak break, but wasn't going to be there the entire time. So, wow. uh, hey, listen, when you're in the situation that the Coyotes are, do that. And I'll tell you what, seems like some guys stepped up in the meantime because they hung a nine spot on the Red Wings with Phil on his way to the delivery room. Yeah, and as I said, Nick Schmaltz, 11 points in his last two games. And, but yet, yesterday, this is, listen to the stat here. Arda O'Cal putting this on Twitter. So last night in the NHL, there was one team that scored exactly one goal, two goals, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine goals. That is the 12th time that happened all time and only the third time in the last 30 years. What a... What a ridiculous stat. That's some I amazing think. numerology from our yeah. boy Arda. Thank you, Arda, for putting... That is the stuff that we need. I saw what Chicago had. I think they had eight. Uh, Patrick Kane, who I have in fantasy, had like five points. There were some wild goal-scoring numbers, but yes, only the 12th time ever a team scored on a night. One between one and nine goals. So. That is nuts. Um, hey, by the way, just one other quick hockey note. Um, Kyle Clifford gets a two-year extension and former Winnipeg Jet. Remember Carl Dahlstrom, Remo? Yeah. He's, uh, I guess he's got an extension with the Leafs on a two-way deal, most likely playing uh, the majority of his time in the American League. Yeah, I remember Carl Dahlstrom. He's got a yeah, two-way deal, as you said, and I am seeing a lot of stuff as well. You know, talk about the Leafs. Uh, Austin Matthews, I hear, I hear that he's pretty good, so... 
Uh, he's he off to like a record goals, a record uh, type season. Yeah, forty three goals already. So uh, incredible there. Uh, quick Jets update. If you missed it earlier on, um, Nate Beaulieu is placed on LTIR and uh, Vili Hainala has been recalled from the Moose on an emergency basis. He will head to uh, the wet, the East Coast with the Winnipeg Jets. They're back at it tomorrow with an early game against the New Jersey Devils and then Friday out at the new arena at Belmont to take on Barry Trotz and the New York Islanders. Tomorrow should be fun. Dave McCarthy's going to join us. We'll hit a number of the top stories in and around the National Hockey League. And uh, our boy Brandon Rowicki going to come back. We'll get his thoughts on the plight of the Winnipeg Jets heading into this road trip beginning tomorrow against the New Jersey Devils. Uh, huge thanks to Jeff O'Neill, the O-Dog. If you joined us late, make sure you get back to the beginning of the program and check out O's visit. He is definitely one of our favorites. Uh, Marat Atesh is definitely one of ours and your favorites as well. And of course, Andy McNamara bringing the energy as always to the program. Uh, a huge thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen every day. F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, Cool Bet Canada, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, and of course, our friends over at Not Auto Corp. Um, we'll be back tomorrow getting you ready for this road trip and the Jets and New Jersey Devils tomorrow at 1 o'clock. In the meantime, thank you so much for the support, especially the last couple of days with the anniversary, the one-year anniversary of Winnipeg Sports Talk. A special thank you to everyone that signed up to be a channel member and uh, all the generous super chats that you guys have been throwing our way. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, again, hit the like. Make sure you're subscribed if you're watching on YouTube. And uh, do us a favor. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk, where they can find us daily. Live on YouTube at 1 o'clock and in your podcast feed just after 3 p.m. Speaking of those podcasts, Remus has got to get them up right now, so we will get out. Have a great night tonight, and we'll see you tomorrow right here on WST. Oh, my God! Oh! Oh! Shut it down! Oh Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.